The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Speedball Mike Bailey. You're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yush. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The Ace of Podcast On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with Karen Pearson from Post Wrestling. On today's show, we'll discuss Sasha Banks interview nights 13 through 16 of the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League Tour and cover all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and clicking the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. It features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. And as you heard, I am joined by Karen filling in for the young boy this week. He is uh, getting ready for his uh, FINRA uh, exam that he's mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago. So that exam was coming up right around this time period for this week, and he needed to buckle down and study for that and take that test. I think it's tomorrow he's taking that. So, Karen, thanks for filling in. Don't worry. As I said before, I'm going to send the young boy my bill for for my rates. You know, I'm back from excursion. My stock's gone up. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to give him a hard time at least once on the show. Yeah, your rate's up now. Yeah, every time you go to Japan, that that booking rate goes up. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) And I'll start off here with a question from uh, the Broken Poet on Twitter. It says, how sings with everyone in their lives? So, Karen, how's everything going for you? I mean, I would I would be remiss if I wouldn't admit that I do have the post-Japan blues. But, um, you know, we're counting down to winter vacation starting on this coming weekend. And then, gosh, we're going to sneeze in January is going to be here. So just I'm just riding out the rest of December and having a good time. No complaints. Yeah, you know, it's a very uh, busy holiday season, so, you know, doing all the, all the holiday parties, all, all the white elephants, all the, the cookie baking, all that stuff uh, going on in my world. And, like, uh, we were talking before we recorded, and, yeah, we're getting ready for for uh, winter break. Going to be off the, the end of the year and, you know, kick off in the Wrestle Kingdom season, so doing good. Can't complain. 
But uh, before we jump into some major news items here, just wanted to let all the listeners know that the awards are live. That's right, our end of the year awards, six annual end of the year awards is live. If you visit uh, bit.ly slash kissawards22, the ballot is live. We've got 20 categories for you guys to vote on uh, this weekend. Josh and I dropped some bonus audio breaking down all the categories and the nominees. As a reminder, our grading period for this year's awards was from November 14th, 2021 to November 20th, 2022. So our voting period includes last year's Tag League and Super Juniors. Uh, Your first place vote gets you three points, second place two points, and third place gets one point in all the categories after you submitted your ballot. uh, We'd love for you guys to share your ballot or share who you voted for on Twitter using the hashtag KISSAwards and encourage other New Japan fans to uh, vote and, uh, you know, get involved. And uh, so voting will close on December 31st, 1159 p.m., and then we will announce the winners um, in the beginning of January. So looking forward to that. We already had a ton of early voters uh, get, get their ballots in. So uh, also take your time, watch watch some matches, but don't wait too long. Don't be the last minutes coming in on December 31st, 1158. Get, get those votes in. Yeah, usually I'm helping you guys with the award show, and I'm like, oh, I got to do my submissions. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to open up that link right now and just put it on my to-do list. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and a plug for you, Karen. So we had a question here from uh, JML. Oh. He says, for Karen, how did the idea of you writing for the NJPW 1972 site come together, and has Kevin Kelly or Chris Charlton approach you about doing English commentary? So what happened was, is back when they first announced, you know, historic crossover and the event, like, you know, they they were talking about the belt and everything else. I was trying to find information that I could put together for, you know, my column over at Post at Dreamslam Weekly. So I sent an inquiry to the company and I'm like, I'm having a difficult time finding one information on stardom in English because yes, I do translate and I do speak it, but you know what? Their bios area and their history area it's very, very sparse, doesn't have a lot of information. So I'm like, reached out. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to put together some, like a primer or something that would, you know, bring this all together, you know, because it's a big deal. And actually the offer was sent to me um, because the, the there was a very a hyper awareness that the whole conversation about the IWGP Women's Championship and historic crossover was a conversation that was being led by men about women's wrestling. So it was, you know, President Obari was talking about it. Tanahashi was talking about it. Uh, Kidani was talking about it. Rossi Ogawa was talking about it. But there was no female voice involved. So they're like, well, you know, we reference your work on camera regularly when we're covering stardom, you know, when they're not picking on me about show and yo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, well, would you be interested in writing for the site? And I'm like, Sure. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like it se- sounded really bizarre when I, like the table got turned on to me and be like do you want to write for us and I was like sure that'd be amazing because for me it's like I wanted to contribute something whether it was like on my own work or at post or in this case New Japan so it was ca- it was really weird seeing my 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 government name on the <laughs> New Japan website <laughs> with like my column and I had to keep reminding people I'm like I don't work for New Japan it's freelance I'm just visiting I'm just hanging out for the next couple of weeks until we get you know because there were a lot of people who you know watch New Japan regularly but don't necessarily watch stardom and since the stardom website doesn't have any English 
available and there was no like other than you know your wikipedia's and your fan uh created uh books and ebooks mm. there was no singular place for that historic crossover could reference or you know that english commentary could reference with regards to stardom so i was like all right sure here you go <laughs> so it, it was really weird it was it was weird and awesome in a good way but i have to keep reminding people no i don't work for new japan because people are like well when is this show going to be on new japan world i'm like bro i don't work there <laughs> i wouldn't be opposed to a more permanent working relationship with them and uh while there hasn't been any discussion about me working for new japan with english commentary um, Kevin Kelly has been on record, actually, I, when I interviewed him prior to uh, Historic Crossover, saying that he wanted a female voice for stardom. And should that time come, he wants me to be the female voice of stardom. So, I like last around this, like back in September last year, when they when they first started calling the stardom matches, I you know I put it out in the universe. I said I wanted to call stardom commentary. Send, and I was like, I never thought anything would ever come of it, but it just seems like maybe someday in. I'm not saying like January 1st, guess who's going to the dome because I'm not, but <laughs> it, it may turn into something. It may not turn into something, but if it does, I just hope everybody will be on board with it and excited for me. <laughs> oh, definitely. You know, you'll definitely have support of the keeping a strong style boys in our fan base. And yeah, your work that you did on uh, the website on njpw1972.com, those columns uh, kind of walking through all the factions and wrestlers and previewing the matches was awesome. It was definitely thank you. Yeah, a great tool, uh, especially for like stardom. Like, I mean, I'm kind of in and out of stardom, and uh, you know, we do have James and Rich here on One Nation Radio covering stardom. But I think for a lot of newer fans, um, that those guys really help, especially like the match breakdown. But all right, this is why these people are wrestling each other, and this is this it's the stars, and this is you know Oedo Tai and like all this stuff. So yeah, it was a really great resource for new fans. Thank you. And especially when it came to like the mixed matches, everyone's just like, why? What, what are these? What, why are these people thrown together? And it's like, and I was like, well, why are they thrown together? And then I had to, you know, I had to do a little bit of research. And I'm like, wait, there's layers. There's lots of layers that no one's talking about. I'm like, bro, this, this is this is what people need to know <laughs> before mm-hmm. we get in. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, hopefully yeah, we'll continue more of that as we see more uh, stardom and New Japan crossovers and more uh, women's, women's matches featured in New Japan. Uh, but speaking about women featured in New Japan, I think we got to kick the show off talking about Sasha Banks. Uh, there's been lots of uh, news going around about Sasha Banks and uh, connections with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So Dave Meltzer uh, confirmed on Saturday a report from Mike Johnson of PWI Insider that Banks would be appearing at Wrestle Kingdom 17 on January 4th. Additionally, he said that while WWE could still sign Banks, New Japan believes she'll be free and clear to appear on the show by January 4th. And then according to a report from our friends over at Voices of Wrestling, initial negotiations between Sasha Banks and Bushiroad began many months ago, shortly after Banks walked out on WWE. Currently, there has been what is described to VOW as a limited appearance deal on the table with a per-appearance fee that would be significantly higher than what New Japan paid for Chris Jericho and would make Banks by far the highest paid contracted Bushi Road wrestler. Uh, back in October, Banks teased a potential matchup with the current IWGP Women's Champion Kyrie. She posted a, a fan-made match graphic to her Instagram stories that Kyrie, Kyrie later shared on her Twitter 
And then one month after sharing that graphic, Kyrie did become the IWGP Women's Champion at Historic Crossover on November 20th, where she defeated Mayu Iwatani in the finals to win the title. Karen, what are your thoughts on uh, Sasha Banks, or should I say uh, Mercedes Money, Monet, how are you saying that, uh, coming to New Japan Pro Wrestling and being involved potentially in the IWGP women's title scene? It's a lot to unpack. And, and there are a lot of positive things about it. One, I love that she knows her worth. And she's she, people might say she's in the, in the mess around and find out stage, but you know what? She's She's challenging them to pay her what she's worth. And if she can secure that bag, good for her. Mm-hmm. Especially if if she's getting more than Jericho money, then that's that's significant. And, you know, when you think of companies that could afford to keep or to hire Sasha Banks slash Mercedes Vernado, Mercedes Monet, whichever moniker we're going to use for this, like, first comes to mind, other than WWE, to contract her in more than just a per-appearance situation... AEW is the only other place I can think of, honestly. Mm-hmm. No, no disrespect to Impact or Ring of Honor. I love them. They, they, they got me through the pandemic, <laughs> but they don't, they don't have that bankroll, right? And New Japan, I'm guessing if they're going to be able to afford this limited appearance deal with a significantly higher rate than Jericho, uh, they're getting that bushy road money. It's not stardom money. They're they right. are they they're going they're go, they're opening Kidani's wallet and they're going for it. Now, my biggest concerns is, one, announcing this three weeks or just a, mo- a month before uh, Wrestle Kingdom is problematic on- for one reason is that it totally eclipses the match that Kyrie has. Kyrie, after she won at Historic Crossover, Tam Nakano was de- like, picked as her first opponent. They've been, bu- they've been building that since November 20th. But now no one's talking about Tam anymore. People are wondering if, she, you know... If Sasha's or sorry, if Mercedes is going to run and like push her off the stage, if there's going to become a three-way uh, triple threat all of a sudden, it's completely derailed the conversation, and one eliminated Tam's credibility as somebody who could potentially dethrone Kyrie. And Tam is one of Stardom's top contracted talent. Right. Kyrie, while she regularly works with Stardom, she is not contracted there. She's a freelancer, and a lot of people forget that delineation. Um, my biggest concern is the, the, um, she is, she could still be signed away from WWE that they have not put pen to paper, but I'm pretty sure that part of that is the contract tampering situation. that's probably going on with her non-compete right now that is supposed to end on the 31st at midnight or whenever, you know, new, new year, new me, uh, whenever (laughs) she's up with that. And I understand releasing that information saying that she's going to be there because if you want to make a statement, as you were uh, about a big competitor, she'd be a great one to make. I just wish the timing was slightly different because had, you know, say her contract and or her non-compete ended in November and she walked out at historic crossover, you know, they're already talking about Kenny Omega Osprey mm-hmm. and she walks out to challenge. Then, then I would be fine with this, what's going on right now. But the fact that they've already set up, Two matches for Kyrie between now and then, neither of which are with her. You don't have you don't she hasn't put pen to paper on anything. She can get signed away at any minute. Like those, those like like as if we've learned nothing from the never open weight situation with Carl Anderson, it's risky not to put somebody in a contract, not to lock them in. Right. Because 
whether or not the whole Saudi Arabia thing with the never open weight championship and, you know, Carl being double booked, if it was storyline or not, they spun it into a storyline. That's great. But if you're going to build someone like Mercedes to come into new Japan, to be, to, you know, to give the, the to basically hook in all the WWE fans, especially the Sasha fans, you need something a little more concrete. Right. For me, like it's like it's like I want to be excited. God, I want to be so excited about this. But at the same time, it's like I also have realistic expectations. I know she's not walking into the dome on January fourth to wrestle. Right, she yeah. can't. Yeah, a lot of reports have been saying yeah, she's just she's going to make an appearance on the show, but she is not going to wrestle. But people are going to sit through six hours or you know eight hours of Wrestle Kingdom to see her what walk out after her match with Kyrie, walk that long, long, <laughs> long ramp to the ring and cut a promo, and then leave. Like, it, it's just, like, I want to know a little bit more. And because the other thing is that there is a second night of Wrestle Kingdom that nobody's talking about. January 21st at the Yokohama Arena. Yes, it's a significantly smaller venue. But is this a match that they're going to have in Japan on a, you know, on a, on a Wrestle Kingdom branded event? Or is it going to be people are already talking about Battle in the Valley in uh, February 18th? So is it is it a match for the... In the United States? Is it a match in Japan? I don't know what they're doing with it. And it just seems like they're releasing too many details before Kyrie actually defends the belt for the first time. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things like, yes, I don't want Kyrie to be a transitional champion. I don't want her to hot potato the belt to Tam and then have Tam fight Sasha or Mercedes. But for me, I don't see stardom being able to afford to have Mercedes contracted. Like, if anything, she'll be like Kyrie. She'll come in, she'll do a couple of dream matches, a couple of tags maybe, but that's it. You're not going to get her in the five-star Grand Prix for two months. You're not going to get her in the Cinderella tournament because those are to make younger and newer talent who have a far much longer booking, booking arc within stardom. Right. So it's just like, I need I need more concrete details, but I also want... Kyrie's defense against Tam to be exciting and this has completely taken all the air around it out and completely shifted the focus even past Kyrie entirely to Mercedes yeah yeah that is the one unfortunate thing about that yeah just kind of yeah kind of derailing or kind of taking the steam away from the first you know big defense of the IWGP uh, women's title between uh, Kyrie and Tam which is going to be an awesome matchup um, but the, the plus side, though, I'd say of this news coming out right now is you know, we saw what happened um, a few years ago when the news broke that Chris Jericho was coming to New Japan. New Japan World subscriptions skyrocketed. Yeah. There was a huge boom in interest from the, the Western fans and seeing um, Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega that year. And so I think we're going to see um, a similar thing. We, we know how the, the Sasha stands get down. They, they're, they are ride or die. They are going to support her no matter where she goes. Um, so with this kind of news kind of buzzing right now, obviously nothing official has come out from New Japan. Um, but with all this buzz, I think we're going to see once again another skyrocket in New Japan World subscriptions, uh, kind of a renewed interest from the Western fan base, and maybe even like a new kind of audience maybe like that that WWE fan base with those those Sasha stands coming in and watching a new Japan for the first time watching their first full Wrestle Kingdom it's definitely going to be great to uh, get some exposure um to new Japan through this um Sasha Banks following and yeah I did see the rumors of like the next defense being set up for battle in the valley and I have a hard time just seeing 
um, at the, as of right now, uh, Sasha or Mercedes, I'm going to be calling her Sasha for a long time. <laughs> uh, Mercedes. <laughs> um, I have a hard time seeing her showing up at something like a battle in the Valley. Like, no offense to the, the U.S. Uh, yeah, pay-per-views. That, that's my, my thing. Like, <laughs> put that put that match on a Dominion. Like, make it right. big. Yeah, so I, I have a feeling that we're mainly going to see her wrestling in Japan probably for uh, New Japan, Stardom, Bushi Road. Um, until you know things kind of increase with um, the New Japan stuff in America, like if they were doing like Madison Square Garden, you know, Wrestle Dynasty, then yeah, oh, remember Wrestle Dynasty, good time. Yeah, R.I.P. Wrestle Dynasty. If they were doing something like that, I'm like, oh yeah, for sure, Mercedes would be on that show. But I don't see her showing up to the San Jose Civic Center of her battle in the Valley. But yeah, you mentioned Yokohama Arena, the second night at Wrestle Kingdom. I definitely think that's something that could happen. There's a lot of rumors that that's going to be a potential um, Forbidden Door 2 kind of thing with AEW being involved uh, because you do have Darby and Sting that will be there the next day for the Muta uh, retirement show. So there's kind of that Noah, right? Yeah, that's a Noah show. Yeah. Okay. Um, But But it's all the same weekend. (laughs) Right. All the same weekend. So Darby and Sting are already there and people are kind of putting pieces together that, oh, yeah, there might be some kind of AEW involvement. And plus, uh, Tony Khan this past weekend at the, the Ring of Honor press conference mentioned that uh, New Japan will play a big part in the relaunch of Honor Club. So I don't know exactly what that means. So maybe that's also part of the Yokohama stuff. So a lot's going on around that Yokohama show. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, especially with, you know, what I like about it is because they used to do the Global Wars thing with New Japan. So they yeah. have that whole library there, you know, and showing you when they're on excursion. So did I think Hiromu did some time in Ring of Honor as well. So it's, it's great to see that happening, but my problem is if they're going to do a Forbidden Door 2 on January 21st, they've got five weeks to build it, and that needs to start now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, it's just like Forbidden Door last time where it was like half of it was a blood and guts buildup, which just totally took away from the whole point of Forbidden Door itself. So they need they need to better, like, organize and be more upfront about it. People aren't going to be excited if you throw it all together at the last minute. Yeah, I know. I have a feeling that they're going to try and use Wrestle Kingdom to like maybe kick it off, build some angles at the dome. Obviously, FTR um, is going to be there. Kenny Omega is going to be there, so there will be AW presence on the dome. So they might kind of kickstart some stuff there. Maybe make the, the special announcement there and build a stuff. Even though, yeah, it probably would be better to start building earlier. But I think too, from a New Japan side, you don't want to kind of eclipse. Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 in Tokyo Dome building up for Yokohama Arena. They already did that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also the, you know, the Antonio Inoki Memorial. So, I mean, there, it, it's some, like, there are going to be special things at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. But if you're going to build, if you're not going to treat the night in Yokohama this on the same level as the Tokyo Dome and start giving it, like, an adequate build, call it something different. Don't call it Wrestle Kingdom because then you're not treating it the same. It's New Year's Dash with a bigger budget and a bigger venue. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of yeah using the Wrestle Kingdom branding more than once. Um, I get it if you're doing the back-to-back nights, but when a show that's several weeks away, I think they should just, they should just if it is going to be Forbidden Door, call it that, Forbidden Door 2, or call it something different besides yeah. uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I mean, but, New Beginning would be, it, it, the New Beginning series starts around that time anyway after the uh, New Year's Golden series, so I just feel like they need a... a a singular naming that's apart from Wrestle Kingdom for it, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. We don't work there. <laughs> uh, but another interesting part about this whole Mercedes uh, coming in, you know, a lot of the reports have been focusing on like New Japan 
uh, being the main one to bring her bring her in, and made most of her communications being with New Japan Bushi Road, not necessarily Stardom and Rossi Ogawa, uh, which has a lot of people kind of questioning things. And this kind of comes in where uh, Josh's conspiracy theory comes in, which I was telling to you uh, off air. So uh, you know, Josh has a, he's mentioned on the air before, but he has this whole theory that this could potentially lead to New Japan maybe like merging Stardom in or kind oh, of like God, the, no. the God uh, I hope not. <laughs> uh like the potential uh a potential blow of Joshi and New Japan kind of kinda of dominate the Joshi scene because you know that we're they're gonna be out of GP women's title matches, you know, is New Japan gonna start forming their own, you know, women's roster and kind of pick away from stardom. And, you know, they're, they're seeing the popularity that Stardom has. And, and Joshi right now, could they be kind of do, trying to capitalize on that and kind of create their own, you know, Joshi division in New Japan and just kind of combine things. Um, so there's a lot of people, not just Josh, kind of pointing that out and seeing, oh, maybe this is not the best thing for Stardom as a whole to have this women's title and uh, for New Japan to be kind of starting its own, potentially its own women's division. The way I'm looking at it, and I'm cautiously optimistic about it, is that the purpose of the IWGP Women's Championship is to be more for the international, like, you know, they were talking about having it on par with the international standard, which is, you know, your, your WWEs, your AEWs, your Rev Pro UKs, you know, uh, Impact, whatever. Promotions that have both men and women. I could see this championship being more of a centerpiece for their international shows. Mm-hmm. Um than it would be for absorbing stardom or breaking down stardom. I think if they were to erase stardom and absorb them into New Japan, it, it becomes problematic because unlike the Western fans that kind of have, like, you think of a Venn diagram, the center part that's like the overlap between the New Japan fans and stardom fans, that part is significantly larger outside of Japan. Right. In Japan, it's very much, there is overlap, but your stardom fans like stardom and your new Japan fans like new Japan there. And it's, some of them are very much against the merging of the two. Like even historic crossover was towing that line for a lot of people. So it's, it's, I don't think they're going to create their own women's division, but they are going to have to either whomever they pick as their champion, they're going to have to work with stardom on dispatching people to the international shows for title defenses. Right. Part of the problem is Stardom's schedule is so like they have a, sometimes it feels like they have a harder schedule than New Japan does at times with the way that their 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 weekends are booked so heavily. Yeah, they, they have a, a pay per view like every weekend. <laughs> yeah, like like literally, there's at least one to two pay per views a month, and it's one of those things where anytime a Stardom talent is sent abroad and they miss a show, the fans in Japan get very very vocal about it and get very very upset about it. It's the same thing when New Japan runs concurrent shows. It's a you 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 put like for example Battle in the Valley Okada is not Okada is like supposedly at going to be at Battle in the Valley again. Mm-hmm. If they run shows in Japan that same weekend, all the Okada fans are going to be upset that Okada is not on the show because when they started launching the U.S. brand, there was the discussion that they were going to do their best not to have overlapping schedules. Right, that it would be designed in a way where. If we're running a show in the U.S. or the U.K. or Australia, whatever, it's not going to conflict with shows running in Japan. Therefore, the Western audience can get everybody they want and it not be a problem with in Japan. The problem is, is that since they gave us that idea, it's been anything but that. <laughs> There's always 
concurrent shows. They're not sending the entire roster over. So I don't think they could do that to stardom, honestly. Especially with as much money as stardom has brought into Bushiroad since its acquisition. Like, its bottom line was, like, it grew, like, five to ten times in, like, the course of three years. Yeah. So it's, like, that's that's their cash cow. The IWGP Women's Championship, not a cash cow for, for, for New Japan. And not a cash cow for stardom. The, the, right now, it's because it, it's on Kyrie. So, of course, it, it's tying the two of them together because she's a legacy talent from stardom. If they're going to, say, put it on Mercedes at some point and her work a couple of st- a dates, whether it's in Japan or the United States, I could see that happening. But it's one of those things where I don't, like, with as large as New Japan's roster is, I don't see them start like breaking 50 years of tradition to create a women's division. To make it more like WWE when they have a sibling promotion that they can work with moving forward. Right. Because then all of a sudden, stardom, they're not treating, treating stardom as an equal anymore. They're treating stardom as we're going to cherry pick all our all the all the, the popular ones and put them into New Japan. No, that's not going to work. Yeah, I think it just it totally kind of just ruins the, the, the dynamics of how New Japan and Stardom work right now. Correct. Um, you know, right now you have a, an eight match card on both sides of all the roster members being featured on those shows. If you combine the rosters or you, you kind of, you know, pick apart the the top stars of stardom and create a separate women's division. That's a whole nother like time slot. Now that you essentially have have to rearrange the tours and the cards because you can't have, it can't be like American wrestling where you have like one women's match on the show. Like Japanese fans are going to want to see more, you know, Joshi's involved in the card. So then you're having to do like, maybe four men's matches and four women's matches and you're getting less t- time for certain talents. And then yeah. that's going to lead to cutting people. I mean, I'm sure uh, obviously you can probably cut some of the older talent, but still, I mean, new Japan has a ton of talent right now, especially yeah. when you look at the domestic side and what's happening with the LA dojo and some of the new Japan of America contracts. And then what's going on in the Noge dojo and uh, Fale's dojo, like new Japan has a super big pipeline. And then, of course they're partnering with AW and Impact and CMLL, yeah, CMLL. Um, so there's there's so much uh, male talent and stuff that they're doing right now with how their cards are formatted. And then same thing for Stardom. I mean, they have um, a full women's roster. They have their dojo system. Um, they're cranking out. They, I mean, they have their new blood shows. Um, they're doing their pay per views like we're saying once or twice a month. Like they have um, a stack lineup as well. So it's I, I have a hard time seeing them wanting to get rid of what they're doing right now. I think it would be detrimental to Bougie Road as a whole, largely because it would cause a, a domino effect. Because you'd end up alienated, alienating your New Japan fans. You end up alienating your Stardom fans. You end up, you know, you end up, you worry about situations where talent's like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm leaving. You worry about t- a talent exodus. You worry about people getting signed away, or you know, NXT Japan coming back on the table. Like, th- like those are the things you have to think about. So it's like. As, as crazy as a good old, you know, I do love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> I just don't think, I think the IWGP Women's Championship and working with stardom heavily and, you know, when, when they had, uh, sorry, Rumble in, on 44th Street back in October, Mayu had a SWA Women's Championship and that uh, title defense and that is a stardom championship. And she, after she defended it, she got back to Japan, relinquished that belt so she could focus on the IWGP Women's Championship. So I could easily see that IWGP Women's Championship being not the New Japan Strong Belt, but whenever there's a big championship defense 
that on a co-branded show or a New Japan branded show, you may have stardom talent on it, but they're not necessarily going to be in the IWGP Women's Championship match. Right, and I definitely think for them, I know they, they said they want to step into like the 21st century and have more women involved, but I feel like that's going to end up being more for the U.S. product. I think we're going to start seeing probably Correct. more independent women featured you know on that remember on 44th street we saw like kylie ray and some other women featured on, on those shows so i think we're on strong tapings we'll probably see you know women like you know maybe like uh jordan grace or masha slamovich some of these women that are getting really popular in the indies kind of featured on new japan strong and of course you bring in some stardom talent that are not busy that weekend and then i could see that the iwg women's title being defended at your wrestle kingdoms your dominions your you know g1 finals on some of these big shows and especially with the way mercedes it sounds like her deal is going to be She's going to have limited appearances, so I think, you know, if she does win the title eventually, I think it kind of works for her schedule because then she can come in for the big shows, have these uh, big defenses, help, you know, get interest from the Western fans, um, and it doesn't really shake things up too much. I I think the most difficult thing is that a lot of Western fans that don't necessarily watch stardom, like, you know, your your AEW fans or your, your your Sasha Mercedes fans, what they don't realize is that New Japan World and Stardom World are two separate subscriptions, Mm -hmm. two separate price tags. You're, I mean, they're the same price, but you're going to have to, if you, if you're not sure she's going to be on both of them, you're going to have to sign up for one and possibly sign up for the other and then keep paying for both. (laughs) Right. And of course, you know, when you have like a a singular platform, like your network or, you know, Wrestle Universe has like four different promotions. I think there's going, the problem with, you know, a boost in subscription rates is great, but maintaining that is going to be where the problem is. Right. Especially if, it, if it's on a, if it's not every single, if she's not at every single pay per view between now and Dominion, for example, yeah, or she's, or you know, she's not at every single New Japan Strong between now and Dominion. So well, it's it's just, I need more concrete details, but I also really want to be excited about Kyrie versus Tam, but nobody's talking about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the one good thing with, with more subscriptions, I think that gives people a chance to just maybe fall in love with New Japan. Maybe you, I you, hope so. You, you come for Sasha, but you stay for Ishii, you know? <laughs> I mean, or Tanahashi, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, so definitely a, a lot of business implica- impl- implications uh, leading into uh, Sasha being involved in New Japan and stardom going forward. Um, we have a few questions here. Uh, first from Rambo and Slam Pig. It says, I know Twitter is in this death spiral, but I'm glad to, I'm glad to still be here to watch this course regarding Sasha Banks. If she is really a free agent, who would you want to see her work a program against the most in stardom, AEW, or wherever else in the wider wrestling world? In stardom, I, I'm i going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say Julia. Mm. I, I, I would want to see Sasha versus Julia. I think, I think they would complement each other very well. Julia kind of gives me Becky Lynch vibes at times, so it's, it's kind of <laughs> like that that aggressive or Bailey vibes also yeah. like, well the not not the huggy Bailey like like now Bailey she she she's a Karen Bailey but not <laughs> the me kind of Karen Bailey <laughs> I, I I still claim her though she she's good people so but it's one of those like I think that there there's I don't necessarily think maybe her new Tommy would also be a good one I don't know about Shuri just yet. I'd have to. I. It's been a. I admittedly a very long time since I've seen a Sasha Banks match. I know. I know. I know she doesn't have bad matches, guys. But it's. It's. I, I need a refresher first. I need to see something current or recent. <laughs> um, AEW. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. Put her against Serena Deeb. 
Mercedes Martinez, Willow Nightingale, everybody and anybody. I, I like honestly, as much as I would love to say yes, yeah, send her to stardom. AEW might be the better fit for Sasha, mm-hmm. and they pro- would probably be able to afford her more frequently or longer, unless she's going to part time wrestle and do keep continue filming, like doing movies or TV or fashion shows. Like if if that's what her end game is, is to expand beyond wrestling. Then sure, limited appearances here and there are fine. But it, I guess it all depends on what her goals for New Year, new Mercedes Bernardo is, honestly. Yeah, and I think, you know, with the amount of money she wants, I know Bushi Road, they have a ton of money. They're planning to, you know, give her a lot of yen to make some appearances. But and she, the yen's really weak right now, so yeah. they're going to be paying a lot of money for her. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if you want somebody else to kind of help, you know, fill out the rest of what she wants, I'll see Tony Khan is there and has their resources to also pay her very well so she can get a nice deal working for both promotions and both, you know, AW and New Japan are working together now. So it all kind of works out. Um, so maybe she does end up doing both. Um, for me, as far as like stardom, I think her versus Mayu would be awesome. They're, they're both crazy bumpers. So somebody, <laughs> it's probably oh a God. pretty uh, dangerous matchup. He's sweating the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like which one of them is going to break their necks first? <laughs> uh, Cause yeah, they're just so crazy bumpers. Yeah, I think that would be like a really fun, um, High pace matchup for them. Her versus Tekla would also be really good. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I think her and uh, Starlight Kid would be a lot of fun yes. also. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> um, on the AEW side, I think probably the biggest match they could do is um, Britt Baker. I don't know of if it, it probably wouldn't be the best in ring match, but it'll probably be the biggest, like, you know, buzz worthy match. Um, well, Jamie the- Hader's champion right now, right? Yeah. I mean,. Put her and put her up against Jamie right away. Yeah, her and Jamie. Let, let, let her jump the queue. Why not? Or um, <laughs> her and Tony Storm. That's what I was. I was like, names on the tip of my tongue. She lives here now. <laughs> Storm. Yeah, those would probably be like the, the first like few. Definitely, I want to see her uh, mix it up with in uh, AEW. Uh, next question here from Enigma Bird Zero: If Sasha beats Kyrie for the NJPW belt, what would be next for Kyrie? Is she the one to end Saya's reign? Uh, honestly, I'm hoping that her first match against Kyrie, because I'm gonna, if we're doing a multi multi deal thing, long term booking, first match is gonna be a time limit draw. They're gonna drag it out. I don't want Kyrie as the inaugural champion to be a transitional champion. I don't want her to defend it once, maybe twice, and then lose it automatically. I need I need some stability in my. I like titles with stability. I don't like hot potato titles. <laughs> Um, Kyrie does not need to be the one to end Saya's reign. Saya is currently gunning for Momo Watanabe's streak as, you know, her former leader of Queen's Quest turned mortal enemy in Oedotai. The Wonder Stardom Championship, it needs to pass to a rising star. Starlight Kid has the longest running feud where she can't, no matter what she does, when it comes to the belt, she can't beat Kamatani. Um... Another one who's been chasing the white belt is Mina Shirakawa, who got her jaw busted open back uh, last month and uh, is finally coming back at the end of the month at Stardom Dream Queendom. Uh, But it seems that she needed surgery because her bottom teeth got knocked all crooked and her jaw got cracked or something. It it did not look pretty. Yeah, it was a gruesome scene. (laughs) So, like, with the Wonder, wonder, Kyrie is synonymous with the Wonder of Stardom Championship. She doesn't need it. It It needs to be someone... Once she, br- I think they're honestly going to keep the belt on Saya until she breaks Momo's streak, and then it'll pass to either Starlight Kid or Mina Shirakawa or Natsupoi would be another one. Nice. 
And then uh, Stale Burger Bun asks, says, due to a bizarre clerical issue, Sasha Banks has accidentally joined the NJPW male roster instead of stardom. Which current NJPW champion should she challenge first and why? Carl Anderson, get the never belt back. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, she would be a junior, right? So, yeah, uh, yes. Her Nishimori. Uh, <laughs> she has to work up to Ishimori. I'm sorry. She needs to start out with like her watos and her yos, and like you know, she needs to like just leave a trail of bodies in her wake. So like start, start, start like with the young lions. <laughs> Gotta build up to start that. Start from square I one. I think Liger would come out of retirement for Sasha. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh man, I actually see Tanahashi wanted to own a crack. After he's the way he smacked Micah at historic crossover, he would send her flying into the fifth row. <laughs> there, there's no way. Have her fight Okada. Like his jump, his uh, dive, his uh, drop kick will go over her head with a good like foot of clearance over her. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So uh, before we uh, move on to Tag League, one other contract situation we got to talk about. Um, so Cyberfight is interested in signing the Golden Star, Kota Abushi. Oh, so according to a report from Voices of Wrestling, they're saying Cyberfight is very interested in signing Kota Abushi to be a Pro Wrestling Noah regular and to appear on Big DDT Shows so apparently there is a, a big offer that is on the table currently right now for Kota Ibushi once his New Japan contract expires in January. Uh, so Ken, what are your thoughts on Ibushi potentially, uh, you know, switching sides, going over to Cyberfight? Uh, well, I mean, he would be going back to Cyberfight because you know he got his origins in DDT, right? Um, with honestly, after the the past couple of years. I don't really think there's anything left for Kota Ibushi to do in New Japan. Um, as I often joke with WH Park that you know pro wrestling Noah is for the older guys. You know he's in his <laughs> he's in his forties now, mm-hmm. so uh, he could he could easily become GHC heavyweight champion in Noah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think with AEW's working partnership with the Cyberfight Group, you know, with Tokyo Joshi Pro and DDT, and and to an extent Noah, it would be the most beneficial for everybody involved. Because I think in DDT, Ibushi would be able to wrestle the wrestling he likes to wrestle. His fun wrestling. He likes the comedy wrestling. He likes the crazy wrestling. He can do that. In Noah, he can get, you know, he can scratch that striker fix. You know, he can fight his Kenos and his Nakajimas and Marafujis. And if he wants to work AEW or if AEW, you know, if they want to, you know, drag him over because they already have Takeshita, sure, why not? I think it'll be easier for everyone to move past the last year and everything that happened with it should he go somewhere else and be truly happy and love wrestling again. Yeah. You know, also, I would love for things to work out, him stay in New Japan and do some great stuff here. But clearly, it seems like that ship has sailed. And yeah, at this point, yeah, I just want Ibushi to be happy. So. If he does decide to go over to Noah, uh, I'm sure I'll check out some of his big matches, um, see what he's doing there. Also, there's a, a lot of rumors that there's some kind of maybe an AEW deal on the table. Michael Nakazawa was over in Japan. They, they were pictured together, and uh, Nakazawa tweeted, uh, my mission in Japan was completed. So people are assuming his mission was to send him an, an AEW contract. And clearly, you know, Kenny is going over there and will be in Japan um, in, in for Tokyo Dome, so I'm sure... They will hang out as well together. So 
Um, yeah, there's potential. Yeah, maybe he does. Um, you know, do some AEW as well. The only show I I don't think we would see him on should he switch companies. I don't think we would see him on Forbidden Door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would. I think that would be the one. Like, much like how Takeshita wasn't on Forbidden Door this year because he he works for the a rival company within Japan. Should Ibushi make that move, I could see that possibly being the same thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, jump in now. We had the last few nights of the Super Junior Tag League and the World Tag League all building up to Wednesday's uh, final show where we'll crown the 2022 Super Junior Tag League and World Tag League winners. So we'll run through the results of the, the last few nights. Um, Karen, I'd like to get you some of your thoughts on some of the teams and uh, some of the action you saw uh, this past weekend. We won't spend a ton of time on the undercards because I did not watch those. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, man, put it on two times speed once Kevin Kelly does the, the narrating. It gets really fun real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Chipmunk Kevin. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll start at uh, night 13, which was December 7th. That was a junior night. Uh, so showing up, we had uh, Kosei Fujita and Oscar Lube defeating Rihoi Oiwa and Yuto Nakashima. Uh, we had a question from Yasmin. Thoughts on Oscar Lube so far? He's really, really tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it was funny because I looked at one of my pictures that I took back in 2020 at the, like my friends and I walked past the new Japan dojo. I actually have a picture with Oscar. Oh, really? He's standing right next to me, but he has no hair. Well, I mean, he has no hair now. Either, but, like, he didn't have any hair at the time and he was on his way back, uh, back home shortly after. But um, I, like, like most young lions that are getting their start, he, you know, he's at the bottom, bottom of the food chain. So he's the one who's having to fight the hardest, but He's falling into place with the rest of the Nogay Jojo guys real quickly and very naturally. Um, I am curious to see like where he ends up on the face heel spectrum eventually. I've got you know I've got my feelings, but I don't want to like peg it too early. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more uh, reps he gets in the ring, the more confident he's going to be. And I think that's the thing right now that he's still working on is his confidence. Yeah, especially, you know, some of the young lines that he's wrestling right now are a little bit more experienced than him, been the dojo longer. So, yeah, it is kind of funny of him just being so big and tall to see him, like, selling for, like, Oiwa and uh, Vegeta and some of these other, like, smaller young lines. Yeah. Um, but also, that's a very important thing for him to, to learn how to sell and, you know, work with smaller guys. So, I mean, so far, um, from what I've seen, I think he, he's doing good, progressing well. And I think he's definitely going to be somebody to keep our eyes on, uh, especially with the new kind of, um, you know, decree from Bushiroad management to get these guys going faster. I mean, maybe in a year from now, we see him on excursion. I mean, they would need to start thinking of other young lines that are currently in the dojo to start like putting them at ringside or start bringing them out. Because if they're going to talk about, you know, now that Ren Narita and uh, Shota Umino are back, Uemura and Yoda are the only two that are out on excursion right now. Uh, even Michael Richards down in the New Zealand dojo, he's graduated as well recently, apparently. So, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like they, they need to they need to start thinking about before they start like, dispatching people on excursion. They need to think of one where they're going to send them, but also who's going to fill like start filling in the young lion trunks while they're gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's one thing we, we normally don't know, like what the do- the Noge Dojo classes look like right now. So maybe they have people and we just don't know. But, yeah, they definitely have to do that. Uh, so after that, we had uh, Desperado, Lance Archer and Suzuki defeating the Bull Club team of Fale, Gato and Taiji Ishimori. Then LIJ team of Hiromu, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito defeated Tanahashi, Yano, Wato, and Hanma. 
Then we got to the tournament matches. We had the champs catch 2-2, Francisco Akira and TJP defeating Kevin Knight and Kushida. So with this match, catch 2-2 went up to 12 points, where uh, Knight and Kushida stuck at two points. Uh, what have been your thoughts on these two teams so far, Karen? Uh, I've noticed that Francesco Akira working with TJP is starting to, he looks he looks far more confident in the ring and more like he's starting to feel like a tag team wrestler. Like when he first got there, he was all fired up and excited, but like he needed someone to kind of guide his energy and like rein him in and re- remind him that there are two people in the ring, <laughs> that, that they're a team. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think TJ has done a very good job of that. Uh, Kevin Knight and Kushida. I love Knight Rider. I'm a very, I'm a huge Knight Rider fan. <laughs> uh, as you all know, I love Kushida. He's my, he was my window to new Japan. And seeing him back in New Japan for starters, but also working with uh, younger guys like Kevin Knight and seeing that Kevin graduated on this excursion was really awesome. Yeah, that definitely been a real fun team to watch. Kevin Knight has a ton of energy, a ton of charisma, and I think him and Kushida gel really well together. I'm loving their team. They got the matching like puff jackets now, and the, you know the silver, um, you know shades, and they got orange the- is a hard color to pull off, but they're <laughs> managing to do it. The pair of them. <laughs> Yeah, and this was a really fun matchup here, and uh, I think it was really good for Kevin Knight to get in there with guys like TJP and Akira, who have such more um, experience than him, and he he was hanging in there with those guys, uh, but ultimately also he could not overcome the champs, and uh, TJP and Akira uh, won the matchup there, getting those, their two points and sticking towards the top of the block there. Um, then after that, we had Leo Rush and your boy Yo uh, defeating the Wild Hips team of Clark Connors and Rich Gucci. So uh, Leo and Yo, they go up to 12 points as well, while Clark and Gucci stay at six points. I uh, it, it breaks my heart that they're not calling themselves Lee Yo as I know. a tag team. It, it's right like, there. It, it's literally right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, this pairing, at, when they first announced it, I was kind of like, okay, they're putting Yo in another tag team. But this has been an injection of personality that I've needed him to have since him and show broke up last year definitely yeah it's we're getting a more aggressive yo which we know when he first came back after his knee his knee injury and his surgery he had that aggression but then he lost it quickly with the whole you know breaking down of 3k and having leo with him has been great um i also but i also feel at the same time that like yo is the one in the match who has to be the one to take the pins like he gets some of the wins but like their pairing is all about highlighting Leo, which is good because it's his first time in Japan. Yeah, and and Connors and Taguchi, they're just here, they're just here for a good time. They're <laughs> they're drinking, they're 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 taking off their pants. They're just they're just they don't care about winning or losing. They're just here to be wild and you know shake their hips. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot going on in those matches, but yeah, yeah, having, I enjoy it. They're, they're having too much of a good time. They, I mean, they <laughs> might, as long as either of them get arrested or the videos get taken down off of like New Japan World, there have been some very creative rope video shot choices. Yeah. So they don't have to edit the video later. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, here we had uh, Leo Rush doing his best uh, Stone Cold impression. He uh, took the beers from uh, Clark and Gucci and gave them both stunners. <laughs> Spelt the bear on them, shot on the bird. <laughs> um, so yeah, fun fun matchup there for for Leo and Yo getting the win there. Um, then after that, we had Doki and Kanamaru defeating Dick Togo and Show. So Doki and Kanamaru they go up to six points, 
while uh, House of Torture, they remain at two points. <laughs> so we've seen from last week, Doki and Kanemaru, you know, they got their first big win uh, over uh, Catch 2-2 last week, and that kind of got them a little bit momentum going into this week. And here they uh, once again picked up another win over uh, Sho and Dick Togo here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that House of Torture is like, just eating loss after loss after loss. Yeah, same, same here. <laughs> I, I, I love show, but this ain't it for him. I need him to graduate from his Joker phase and go back to being a baby phase. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, they've, they, yeah, I, I'm speechless. Like they, they've ruined show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, Doki and Kanemaru able to you know outmaneuver House of Torture here, pick up two points. Then we move to the semi main event where we had Bushi and Teton defeating the Flying Tiger team of. Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask. So Bushi and Teton, they also go up to 12 points by beating uh, the former champs here in Flying Tiger. And then uh, Flying Tiger stays at four points. Again, this is another match where it's designed to highlight the newest talents that they've brought in. So I, I love that Teton and Bushi are actually getting a, a solid run in this Super Junior Tag League. Yeah, they're another team where they have just gelled together so quickly, kind of similar yeah. to TJP and Akira. Yeah, Bushi and Teton... Uh, amazing chemistry and have been one of the highlight teams to watch um, this whole tournament. Um, and here, once again, these guys uh, were doing great work here, mixing it up with uh, Eagles and uh, Tiger Mask and uh, pulling off the win. They're hitting their uh, their MX uh, double stomp combo on Tiger Mask. It's just hard to know that like Robbie and Yo and Show have graduated into that like veteran new japan junior section where they're like <laughs> they, they're there for the glitz and the glamour and the, the, the to, to hype up the people that they're working with but they're also unfortunately the ones that end up eating a lot of the losses <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i think flying tiger to do a little bit better since they did win the tag titles uh last year maybe they push a little bit stronger but Clearly. They brought in. They brought in too many fresh faces. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, it's just like you see some of the older ones. You're like, oh, remember when? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, they definitely infuse a lot of great talent in the tournament this year. So yeah, definitely tough competition for Flying Tiger. Um, and then the main event of this show, we had Sauce Hearts, Alex Zane, and L Lindemann defeating the Bullet Club team of Ace Austin and Chris Bay. So both of these teams. Um, with 12 points, this win got Zayn Lindemann 12 points, and uh, Ace and Bay were already at 12 points. I I have been enjoying Alex Zane's run in New Japan. I it, Thanks to him, I finally had a Baja Blast, at a and I went back to a Taco <laughs> Bell for the first time in, like, literally a decade. Um, him with Ellen Lindemann, I love that they're just, they're just another group that's just having a good time. They're having a great run, but they're also having a good time doing it. And... I'm not going to lie. When I saw Austin and Bay come out at Korakuen Hall, the opening night of the tournament in that matching gear, I was like this. I need more of this. If you're going to put people together in tag teams, but baseline matching gear, it doesn't have to be like super matchy matchy, but like they look like a cohesive tag team, even though they don't normally tag together, especially when they're in impact. So it's like, I love it. It was a great match. Yeah, this was a super uh, fun matchup here. Uh, Zane and Lindemann are guys that are kind of, been kind of throwing things at the wall and high pace, uh, flying all over the place. And like you mentioned, Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Once again, I know with them both being in Bull Club now, they've started doing more stuff in Impact together, but it's been, they're not a normal team. And so, once again, they've gelled together really well here. They have the matching gear, they're rocking their, their Bull Club, you know, jackets and, you know, high pace, high intensity, high action here from these guys. And, um, loving their uh, double team finisher there, where they 
um, Chris Bay or Ace throws um, Chris Bay into the Art of Finesse cutter, and then Ace falls up with the fold. Um, but they weren't able to do it here as uh, Zayn Lindemann were able to get the the win here um, after the taco driver. Um, so that got Zayn Lindemann 12 points. So at the end of this night, we have Zayn Lindemann 12 points, Ace Austin, Chris Bay with 12 points, Bushi and T-Tom with 12 points, and then uh, Catch 2-2 with 12 points, and Leo Rush and Yo with 12 points. So all those teams were alive going into night 15. So then uh, night 14, December 9th, was a World Tag League night. We had uh, Bad Luck Fale defeating Yuto Nakashima. Aaron Hanare and Great Okan defeated Oscar Lube and Rei Oiwa. We had Kevin Knight, Kushida, Master Wato, and Tomioka Hanma defeating Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Gato, and Taiji Ishimori. Then we had Hiromu, Shingo, and Teton defeating Doki, Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. And then into the tag league matchups, we had Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi defeating Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd. So uh, Bishamon goes up to 12 points, and Coughlin and Kidd stay at 2 points. For for it being their first post-grad, uh, you know, dojo graduation tournament tournament like this, I'm glad that Kidd and Coughlin are teaming together because then they can navigate it together. Um, I Honestly, since they are probably the most junior tag team in this entire batch i didn't expect them to get two points let alone or you know any points so i was glad to see that they they're finding their stride together and yeah you know, i'm a sucker for bishop on so i have the i have the new shirt with the little lion and the bear on it it's really cute <laughs> nice. but like knowing what what how the the rest of this f- folds out for them like i'm glad to see that the defending champions are actually getting a good run this year that they haven't fallen apart in the last year yeah, Bishamon, they, they won tag league last year. Former tag team champions won the belts at the Dome from uh, Dangerous Techers. Um, so, yeah, very strong tag league right now. And this was a very hard-hitting matchup here with uh, Coglin and Kidd. Uh, you know, Coglin and Kidd, they, they got their first victory last week uh, and had a ton of momentum here. They were all fired up, but uh, went back to their, their losing ways. They keep going for this failing combination where – uh, Coglin would power bomb. He tries to power bomb Kid onto the opponent, but the opponent always moves, and he ends up power bombing and Gabriel <laughs> Kid into the match. So they, they, they need to work on their double team combos. Yeah, <laughs> like, like the 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 using your tag partner as a weapon. <coughs> a power bomb isn't the one I would go with. Yeah, <laughs> like suplex him into someone. I don't know, but don't power bomb because then you just knock the wind out of him. <laughs> Yeah, and plus you, you really can't see when the guy's well, like yeah, covering your face. Like, where are you going to drop them? Because <laughs> you don't like, there's nowhere to peek through. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they need to work on their double team stuff. A lot of that kind of backfired here in this match. And then uh, they fell to the Shoto, which got uh, Bishop on their two points. Uh, then after that, we had House of Torture, Evil, and Yudro picking up their second win by defeating. Kanahashi and Toriyanu. So, uh, has the torture up to four points, and uh, the Bebop tag team of Tanahashi and Yano still at eight points. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. Yeah. I I I love to, I love Hiroshi and uh, you know Toru, but it like I feel like House of Torture is it like literally they're there to play spoiler. They they end up ruining all the matches or all the faves who you think are going to the finals are in. So it's one of those things like I'm just like, oh, it's a House of Torture match against someone I'm really excited about. I know who's winning <laughs> this one. 
Yeah, it's that, not it's not satisfying anymore. It's not it's 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 it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um because yeah, um Bebop tag team here, they did they did have a chance here of potentially getting into the finals because they had eight points going into this night. So had they won here, they would have been to ten. Then if they had won the next uh tag league night, they would have um gotten up to twelve and potentially based on how everybody else did, they could have probably snuck their way into the finals. But yeah, evil and Yujiro ruining all the fun and stopping uh, Tanahashi and Yano from advancing and you know it's the one team they couldn't out uh, maneuver the cheating here uh evil and you drew they put all stops yeah dick togo and show all running out here groats low blows um and they were able to uh put away yano and tanahashi this is why we can't have nice things jeremy yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh then after the semi-main event the highly anticipated and built match up we had tmdk's Mad Mikey Nichols and hysterical Shane Hayes defeating Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher, and Mark Davis. So uh, this win got TMDK two points, so they're up to 12, and Aussie Open stayed at 12. But uh, this was an awesome matchup. I, I, As a longtime TM61 TMDK fan, I was very excited when they were put in this tag league alongside Aussie Open because they've they've run similar trajectories just in different places at different times. You know, they were in Noah and then they went to WWE and then meanwhile Aussie Open was in the Australian scene and then went to the UK and then so yes, this was one of the matches honestly I've been this was the one the, the, the pairing I had picked for my final. Yeah, this is what I picked for my finals too, because they had built this up on uh, New Japan Strong. They were, yeah. they were teasing that this was going to be the finals of the strong open weight tag team tournament, but then TMDK got upset by Daniels and Uemura. Um, so I thought, oh, we're finally going to get them in the finals here. Well, TMDK did get the the win here uh, over Aussie Open, but yeah, this was a really fun matchup. I would say for people who are cherry picking and want to watch the, just the you know, the highlights and great matches, definitely watch uh, TMDK in Aussie Open. Yeah, it was a really uh, fun matchup. Um, and so then the, the main event of this evening, it was Sonata and Tetsuya Naito defeating Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, so Naito and Sonata, they got up to 12 points with this win, and Archer and Suzuki stayed at 6 points. This was this is another pairing where I was like, is is this how... I keep waiting for him to figure out how Tetsuya Naito is getting to the Tokyo Dome. And I was like, maybe, maybe it's World Tag League. <laughs> maybe this is it because they were having, you know, they're doing very well. They're they were keeping pace. They weren't at the bottom of the table. And you know, I mean, as much as I love hearing Lance Archer, well, everybody dies. I'm glad that you know <laughs> Naito's knees did not die in this match. Well, they they almost did. I don't know what's going on with Naito on his tour. I feel like there's been a lot of slip ups. <laughs> he needs to retire, man. He needs to just go watch baseball and live a good life. Let him be like. The, the Gideon Gray of LIJ where he just walks waltzes in, cuts promos, and then leaves. Yeah, he uh they he had botched the, the tornado DDT on Suzuki in this match. He also botched the Destino at the end. It was like one of the most sloppy <laughs> Destinos I ever seen. And he hit on Suzuki on the end there to uh get the win. But yeah. So yeah, Naito looking looking a little shaky uh right now. Um but it was good to see Archer and Suzuki uh all together again this whole tournament and I don't know. Like I said last week, Archer just feels at home when he's in New Japan, and now with some of the crowd restrictions lifted, he's you know going in the crowd again and scaring little kids and screaming and yelling at kids again. 
We all know Archer's for the kids. <laughs> it's, it's, his, it's his very, very gruff way of fan service is making children cry. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought this was Archer and Suzuki's probably their best match of the whole tournament in this main event. I thought both guys were working really hard and yeah, good work from Sonata and Naito minus those couple of botches uh, from Naito there. Um, so ending this night, we had uh, LIJ with 12, uh, TMDK Aussie open with 12 and then Bishamon with 12. So those guys were alive going into the final uh, heavyweight tag night. So then moving on to the last uh, junior night, uh, night 15, December 10th, we had Vegeta and Oiwa defeating Oscar and Yuto Nakashima. We had Despi, Lance Archer, and Suzuki defeating Master Wato, Hanuma, and Yoshihashi. The LIJ team of Hiromu, Shingo, and Naito defeating Bad Luck Fale, Gato, and Taiji Ishimori. And then we went into the junior tag matchups in the, the finals, or technically the semifinal night leading into what would be our, our finals coming up here on Wednesday. So we had uh, Kevin Knight and Kushida getting a big win here, defeating Flying Tiger, Robbie Eagles, and Tiger Mass. So uh, both teams uh, ending their tournament with four points here. Uh, pretty big deal for uh, Kevin Knight and Kushida to get this win here. It's one of those things where, you know, with Kushida in a pairing with the young line, you anticipate that he's not going to get very far on the tournament. Like his job is to be the the senior statesman, show show the new guy the ropes and everything like that. But Kevin Knight really held his own, and I think that you know, at the stages of their careers in which they're all in, Kushida, Tiger Mask, and even Robbie Eagles, despite his young age, they're 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 seasoned enough and veteran enough in in the entire industry where. Like they're taking on that teaching role, which I think is really, really great. And so for someone like Kevin Knight, whose career is so short, this is monumental. And I think that's what they needed the most. Yeah, and Kevin, he got the pin over Tiger Mask doing his uh, jumping DT. I don't know what he calls it yet, but essentially it's like a jumping elevated uh, DT. He has a ton of a ton of hang time with how high he can jump. Yeah, nailed Tiger Mask with that and uh, pick up the win here for him and Kushida. So, you know, only ending with four points, but for Kevin Knight, that's a kind of a I think a good start in his, you know, especially just graduating in the middle of this tournament. Um, so I would definitely love to continue to see uh, Kevin Knight and Gashida team together. Absolutely. Then we had the House of Torture team of Dick Togo and Show defeating Wild Hips, Clark Connors, and Gucci. So uh, Dick Togo and Show up to four points, Wild Hips ending with six points. And this is one of those matches you were talking about where we had a lot of creative uh, camera work. Covering yes. up <laughs> yeah. the the backsides of uh, Clark Connors and Gucci. There was not enough mosaics that could get on the screens <laughs> fast enough. So New Japan World said, "Hey, giant rope. Just put the camera right on it, and just make sure you get like like everything like from the nose up and everything from like the knees down." Yeah, it, it felt like I was watching like a bootleg tape that was redacted. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah, those camera guys were trying to cut real fast. They were they, they were they were doing the Lord's work. They were working they were working <laughs> hard on that match. Um, but yeah, it it was literally the, this was match was just supposed to be what it was. Which was not a, well, it's kind of like a throwaway match, but it was just supposed to be a fun match. Yeah, all four people knew neither of neither team was going to the finals. They're just like, forget it. Let's just have a good time. Well, you know, we'll drink beers. We'll throw down our pants. People will get mooned. It'll be fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're not getting arrested today. Yeah. So if you like shenanigans, <laughs> this there was <laughs> the shenanigans were afoot. Yeah. This this was the match for you. 
Uh, so then moving on from that, we had uh, Doki and Kanamaru picking up another win here. They defeat the Sauce Hearts of Zane and Lindemann. So uh, with that loss, Zane and Lindemann stuck at 12, and they would have to hope that um, you know other teams would lose. But essentially all the other teams had uh, 12 points. So yeah, they were pretty much done here after losing to Doki and Kanamaru. Yeah. I'm just glad that Doki's getting that push that he deserves. Yeah, Doki Mania is running wild. Doki singles run when? That's yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> and also, Kanemaru singles run when? He hasn't <laughs> held the IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship, to my knowledge. Or if he has, it hasn't been in the last five years. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he was the, you know, the junior ace of Noah. And I think Kanemaru is definitely very underrated. We talk about it all time, just how yes. crafty he is um, in the ring. And just how quick he is for somebody his age as well. Uh, moves really well in the ring. Um, Doki also, you know, picking up this big win here, hitting that uh, suplex De La Luna on Lindemann. So maybe he's going to get another uh, G-Rex championship match from uh, pending uh, Lindemann here. But uh, Doki and Kanemaru spoiling Sauce Hearts uh, tournament here. Getting eight points, ending with a good good eight points there after a, a rough start in the tournament. And well, he pinned he pinned Lindemann, right? So yeah. Doki locks in a G Rex Championship challenge, does he not? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, let's run, run it back. I know. Let's I, I go. Think, I think he defended against Doki earlier this year. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, let's get let's get a rematch. Let's put the belt on Doki and just start this you know 2023 big Doki run. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, then in the semi-main event here, Leo Rush and Yo, they defeated Bushi and Teton. So with that, Leo Rush and Yo got 14 points. They locked in their place for Wednesday's finals. And this was a high-paced, high-flying uh, matchup here between these four guys. And yeah, Leo and Yo picking up this big win here. Yeah, again, I go back to what I said earlier where I feel like this, as much as I would love to believe that Yo is back, I feel like their pairing together is largely put together to highlight Leo Rush. Yeah, definitely. I know this (laughs) this has kind of been a long time in the works for for Leo coming in, and you know he's dealt with some injury and some mental health uh, stuff as well. But yeah, happy, healthy Leo. He's motivated right now, and I think that's helped Yo as well, and they've gelled. You know, these are two fresh teams here. That formed this year and gelled together uh, really well. well. And this was a, it's a super fun uh, matchup here. And we had a question uh, from MJ Does PR. He says, how proud is Karen of her boy, Yo? What has changed? Uh, well, I am. Yes, I am very proud of my sons. I'm very proud of Yo. Um, I feel like he finally has direction for the first time, literally since him and Show broke up. That didn't involve Show. Um, but it also depends on you know how th- Wednesday plays out if it's going to be the G- being you know possibly becoming a like in the run for a sixth run as an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, which he doesn't necessarily need. I kind of want that singles run that they were teasing when they first split up that never happened for either of them, especially after his Super Junior run in 21 when he came back. Um, I think pairing him with Leo, who's someone with a big personality, has drawn out his personality a bit more. And for some reason, the second half of the tour, he's been a lot more aggressive. And that's a sh- uh, yo we haven't seen in a very long time. So I think he's after you know a year and a half of being back post op, he's finally getting his confidence back again. It just needs I just need his momentum to stay there. 
Yeah, you know what? It might be one of these things where maybe he just feels more comfortable in a tag team, and maybe he just one of those. That's fine. Yeah. If that's his choice, then as long as it's his choice and not being chosen for him, then if he's as long as he's happy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely motivated. Have had a great tournament here. He and Leo uh get the win here. They get the fourteen points. They go into the finals. Uh MJ does PR also says, is show a hoe? Show is not a hoe. He is a sweet, wholesome, lovely boy. He is just exceptionally misunderstood right now. I'm going to be very much Padme in like, you know, believing in Anakin that there's still light left inside him. I can see it. There's good in him somewhere. He's just, but yeah, so he's going through his goth phase right now. He, he's going through his Joker phase. Like he's gone past goth or he's just like, he's again, just here for a good time and to like break all the things. But yes. Yeah. I always joke that I'm going to have to pack a bag. But you know what? If I end up on New Japan commentary, I'll sort him out. <laughs> we'll have a heart to heart. I'll fix it. Uh, then Rambo Slam Pig says, Leo Rush has enough charisma that some seems to have rubbed off on Yo. Does this speak to Yo being better suited as a tag guy? Or just that anyone paired with Rush is going to come across as more exciting? I like the version of Yo from this tour more than anything recent. I think the other difficult position that Yo's been is that because they've been circulating him and show around the never open weight championship scene shows filled out enough where he could feasibly toe the line of a heavyweight mm-hmm. much like Hiromu and Desperado Yo is very much a junior and in those matchups he's not pinning evil he's not pinning Yujiro he's always pinning show when he gets the chance to pin someone so it, fe- it feels fresh because he's wrestling at someone who's the same height and build as him like he's wrestling other juniors, so it looks like he's strong again. But it's always when he's in a dynamic where, you know, like the New Japan Cup, where you know, he, even though he's wrestling Bushi, it was a heavyweight tournament, and he blew his knee out. So it's one of those things where I think he's he's kind of like like I, I know said he's been wearing white for over a year now. Is that he's kind of like a blank canvas right now? He's in that like soul searching he's still trying to figure out who he is outside of Rapongi 3k mm-hmm. like even though they're doing him and leo are doing the 3k high five which i, I still find really weird at this point. <laughs> i'm like i'm like no pick pick a different hand gesture um it, it's just one of those things like i i feel like whether it's yo's choice or the company choice they're intentionally keeping him a baby face for a reason i just don't know what that is yet like Personality wise, I when he, when Show turned on Yo, it should have been the other way around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, Yo should have turned on Show and joined the United Empire and be with TJP. But here we are. But it's one of those things where I I he's getting to show personality again for the ver- first time in seemingly a very long time. But I need it to stick once Leo's gone. Right. And I don't want him to have to rely on Leo to draw that out, out of him again. Or he'll never have a successful Super Junior. He'll never be able to be singles champion. Right. And they're all at that age where that it's supposed to start, you know, even Master Wato, who's younger than him, is in the in, in already been put in, you know, a Wrestle Kingdom match for the past couple of months. So he's not even on this tour. So it's one of those things like, I, I need him to figure out what that missing piece is. Yeah. And not be stuck in the never. Like, I feel like, like, <laughs> I feel like they're just like, circulating yo getting ready to do chaos versus bullet club again at Russell kingdom for the never six man. Like that's my, my gut feeling right now. Yeah, probably that, or maybe some kind of never gauntlet. Uh, cause uh kid and Coglin they pinned evil and Yudro and threw their names out there for potentially getting that, a never tile shot. That works for me. 
Put it on, put, put it on Tama, Tangaloa, and Hikaleo. Make them never six man for a little while. Let the brothers do it. Yeah, there's a lot of units that are out there that are not really doing anything at Wrestle Kingdom right now that they could. Yeah, you, you mentioned yeah the GOD brothers you can throw in there. Um, Provided Leo, Leo Hikaleo, or sorry, not Hikaleo, uh, Tangaloa's knee is better by then. Yeah, um, the LA Dojo boys. Um, there's, there's an LIJ unit you can make. Like there's a New lot Japan of guys. Dads. Yeah, there's always the New Japan dads. <laughs> Uh, the chaos you, you can do uh depending if Bishamon wins or not you can do Bishamon Nishi um back together as well like it's a lot of different I remember units. that run it was good incredible. times yeah <laughs> uh, but I think that yeah Leo has definitely helped bring something out of Yo and again I don't even know exactly what they really have in common I know commentary's been saying they're both you know artists and they like music and somehow they they've bonded together and they communicate really well together and they both of them just come off of a ton of energy and charisma when they're in the ring together. Um, so I enjoy the team together. So I hope to see them team together more, but hopefully like you're saying, this does kind of help yo figure himself out more and maintains that charisma on the, the off tours that Leo is not there. Correct. Um, then in the main event of the show, we had the bullet club team of ACE Austin and Chris Bay defeating catch two two Francisco Akira and TJP. So with this win, uh, Bay and Austin, they get to 14 points, which puts them in the finals against Leo Rush and Yo and TJP and Akira end their tournament with 12 points. Um, great main event here. A big win for Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Not only do they get into the finals, but in the process, they pinned the current IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions. It, it's one of those things where it's, I'm glad to see that the work that both Chris Bay and Ace Austin have done with New Japan Strong and Impact in the last two years has finally paid off. I'm glad to see it go somewhere. I just don't know what, where it's going to go after Wednesday. Right, yeah, we'll get into yeah Wednesday's card, but definitely um, big favorites going into that night. And after this match, we did have a face-off with um, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Leo Rush and Yo. They kind of came off and... Both kind of set their claims for, uh, you know, winning the junior tag league. So that's the table for that. And then uh, we move on to night 16, which was December 12th, which was the first, uh, semifinal uh, tag league night. So show opened up. We had Bad Luck Fale defeating Kosei Fujita. Then Aussie Open defeated Oscar Lube and Roy Oiwa. And we had Doki, Despi, and Kanemaru defeating Ace Austin, Gato, and Taiji Shimori. Then Bushi, Hiromu, Shingo, and Teton defeated Wild Hips, Master Wato, and Tomioka Hanma. Then into uh, Tag League here, we had our first Tag League match was Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki defeating Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd. So uh, Archer and Suzuki end with eight points, and Coughlin and Kidd end with two points. My favorite part of that match was Kid picking up my friend's son and using him as a battering ram to kick Suzuki. <laughs> oh, you, you knew the lady. <laughs> I knew, I, I knew, I knew that the son. Yes, <laughs> I know, and his mother. Yes, that is hilarious. Yeah, one of the things I was like, "What is he doing?" Gabe like, Kid is for the kids, man. I, I had to like rewind. I'm like, did he just pick up like a little kid and, a child? <laughs> and use him as a battering ram? Like, what kid. is that? Like, what is happening right now? Uh, but yeah, we had again Archer out here um, scaring kids. Again, we also had the, the backfire of the power bomb. Coughlin, he he actually did it twice. Like he couldn't see. He like power. He like lightly power bomb kid onto the mat, and then he like picked him up again 
and tried to powerbomb him on Lance Archer, but then, like, Archer moved, and then... I feel like he couldn't get a grip on Gabe's jeans, like, the right way, like, to do it. Mm, yeah. Because usually it's tight, so he has that extra, like, like the, the hoisting motion. <laughs> but I don't know, it just... They, they they need a different finisher. I can't... Like, I see that, I'm just like, this isn't... No, this doesn't end well for you guys. Yeah, you mentioned you have jeans. Yeah, Gabe Kid came out here in a street fight attire <laughs> of jeans, and he's a uh, t-shirt all t- hands taped up, and beginning of the match, they... Challenge Archer and Suzuki to meet them on the on the outside. So that's the one the wild brawl happened on the outside with chairs, and that led to your friend's kid being used as a, as a battering ram. Uh, so a wild start to this matchup. Uh, very hard hitting. You know, Gabe Kid. This whole tournament has been very arrogant, and very cocky, and has not been afraid to you know bow up against uh, some of the hard hitters here. Unfortunately, you know he's, he's got Suzuki in there, and Suzuki. Doesn't play, <laughs> uh, nope. so he was chopping down uh, uh, Gabriel Kid here, and uh, in the end, everybody dies. Archer and Suzuki uh, get the win and end with uh, a decent score of uh, eight points. Then uh, it, was a, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then after that, we had Aaron Hanare and the Great Okan defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toru Yano. So. Okan Hanare end with 10 points while Yano and Tanahashi end with 8 points. So, uh, both kind of good scores there for uh, both teams. Uh, Hanare and Okan thought they looked really good this whole tournament. Uh, so, I thought it was great for Hanare to get some uh, chance to shine here with uh, Cobb being off the tour. What I liked about it was when they originally paired together, and it was, it was hard because, you know, you, you had Great Okan and Cobb as former IWGP Tag Team Champions. So mm-hmm. it, it was hard for me to see one Jeff off the tour because I love Jeff, but I liked it in the sense that it gave Hanari an, an, an opportunity to participate. And one of the biggest turns for Hanari was turning on Tanahashi. So being able for him to get a win, like them to win over Tanahashi in this match, it, it, it you know, as a Tanahashi, fan, I'm like, oh man, it sucks. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm really excited for Hanari because it feels like he's starting to be, treated on the same level as the other members of the United Empire. He's not an afterthought, which I kind of felt was kind of how it was. Like he's the odd man out for a while. Yeah, there's been a, a ton of focus on Aussie Open and Catch 2-2 and obviously uh, Will Ospreay and then Cobb and Ocon. So yeah, Hanara was definitely kind of, yeah, the, you know, the you know redheaded stepchild, as they like to say. And it was just kind of not being highlighted very well in the United Empire. But yeah, now with this uh, World Tag League opportunity, him and Okan got a lot of shine this tournament, and he got a chance to show what he's made of. Yeah. I mean, like, when before they started adding all the extra members or later members of United Empire, when he, he was brought in as the ultimate weapon, he had that spotlight. But it was like, it just seemed like the bigger the United Empire got, the further to the background he got pushed. Yeah. And I think he didn't he get hurt like a little bit after he debuted. I think he had like a, like a minor like mm. neck injury. So that kind of derailed some of the momentum he had going yeah. to when he first joined the, the empire. But he looks healthy. He looks great. He's, he's, he, he, he seems happy. And that's like all I can ask for. Yeah. Um, so then the last two matches here were, were the key matches that would uh, determine who was going to go into the World Tag League Finals. So going into this night, um, Aussie Open was already locked in here because due to uh, Fale and Chase forfeiting their match to uh, Chase having to leave the tour due to a death in his family, um, Aussie Open, um, they were already coming in here locked into the final. So then they came out uh, during these Tag League matches in, in their fancy suits and were watching at ringside to see who was going to end up facing them in the finals. 
Um, so first up, we had House of Torture, Evil, and Yujiro against Sonata and Naito. And like we mentioned earlier, they want to ruin all the fun. And they played a big spoiler here. And they defeated um, Sonata and Naito. Lots of shenanigans here. Ref bumps. We had lights going off. We had the Garot Wire uh, show running in, uh, giving a low blow to Sonata. Evil hitting the everything is evil on Sonata. And then uh, Yujiro finishing off Sonata with the uh, the Pimp Juice. I just feel like Sonata is in the same position Yo is, where he's just perpetually in this death spiral against Evil, his former tag partner. Mm-hmm. I I need Sonata to move past Evil as well, much like I need Yo and to, to to stay away from Show for a while. I need Sonata to stay far, far, far away from Evil, and same with Naito, because you know Naito brought him into Lij. So it's it's, it's I'm just I want more. Jeremy, I want more. I want them to be better. <laughs> we, we, we all do. <laughs> Again, this is where I where I genuinely thought maybe World Tag League was Naito's trip to the dome. It is not meant to be. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, to me, Naito is still you know one of the biggest stars, biggest merch movers. Oh, I don't think, and I no offense to the, the the tag title spot, I don't feel like that is somewhere where you put a guy like Tetsuya Naito, you find a singles match, you find a dream match, you find a title, a singles title match to put him in. Oh, he's fight, he's fighting Mercedes at the Dome. <laughs> That's a joke, everyone. Don't you dare post a soundbite anywhere saying that I'm spreading rumors. That is a joke with a capital Karen J. Karen Pearson reports on keeping no, the strong No, absolutely so. not. How dare you? That is a joke. Uh, yeah. I make the jokes now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, with this loss, Naito and Sonata, they're both are kind of yeah, they're looking for their spot at the Tokyo Dome. They they're kind of lost right now. Evil and Yudra are ruining the fun for them. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens between World Tag League Finals and the Road to Tokyo Dome. Uh, what's going to happen with both Naito and Sonata? Both huge stars who are used to getting uh, big singles matches at the Dome. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see yeah, where both those guys end up after this. Maybe so, they challenge Shingo for the KOPW after he <laughs> Taichi next week. Well, after well, Shingo, that's the last KOPW for the for the year. So Shingo will officially be like the 2022 KOPW, and then next year they'll have to start. They have to do some Is kind of new match. Maybe, maybe maybe they're in the KOP Rumble. Yeah, yeah, that the the, the Rambo. <laughs> it's either King of Pro Wrestling or they're going to be like them with Takagi. The three of them are going to be in the Never Six Man Champions in the Gauntlet. They're just going to run the Gauntlet, just run the table. The three of them. Yeah, I was making a joke in our social suplex chat. So our friend uh, James Boyd, he's going to Japan for the first time. He's going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm like, man, at, at this point, Naito's going to be sitting next to you <laughs> at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> he's going to be on commentary being like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. Don't I have a match? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then the, the main event of this show was uh, Bishamon uh, going up against TMDK, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Hayes. So this... At this point, with uh, LIJ losing, this was winner take all. The winner of this would face Aussie Open on Wednesday. Um, so Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, they did it. They got the the big win here. A lot of people were penciling in TMDK, Aussie Open, and Yoshihashi said, nah, not today, not on my watch. I got my new fancy shorts. We got our new music. We got, we got our, our matching gear. Matching gear. It's the matching gear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, they, they did not let TMDK run the show here. So this was another uh, really fun, hard-hitting back-and-forth main event. There's a lot of great near falls here. Um, I really thought, going in, I thought, yeah, TMDK, they definitely had this. And 
Um, yeah, Goto and Yoshiashi were just one step ahead of these guys, uh, reversed out of their uh, double-team maneuver, and they were able to set up the Shoto on Mad Mikey to get the win here. So Goto and Yoshiashi, they end with uh, 14 points, and they will meet Aussie Open on Wednesday in, on Wednesday in Sendai uh, for the, the World Tag League Final. So after this match, Aussie Open came in and cut a promo on Bishamon and let them know, you know, they're a great team. They won Tag League last year, but the only reason why they've been so great is because Aussie Open has not been around the last three years due to the pandemic and injuries, and so they're finally here and having their, their breakout moment here. Uh, but we have our big final set, Bishamon and Aussie Open. I, I do As much as I love TMDK, because I love TMDK, I love that Bishamon, as the defending you know, previous year's winners, are able to go to the finals. I, I also feel like this entire tag league this year is built around Aussie Open. So it's kind of hard for me not to see them winning. Mm-hmm. And therefore freeing up Goto and Yoshihashi to go after the Never <laughs> Championship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the match because like for me, it was my favorites versus my favorite. So I got I had a good time. Yeah, and this show was a cheer crowd, so the crowd was uh, very into this. We got Let's Go Team DK chance. We got some Bishamon chance. Uh, the crowd was really into it, into both teams here. And yeah, there's also a lot of great near falls uh, towards the end there, and a lot of drama and Bishamon uh, picking up the big win. Uh, so a few questions here uh, from Les Commission seven two five two. He says, "Konnichiwa, Sir Jeremy and Madam Karen." Nice to have you on the show, Karen. Overall thoughts on both tag leagues, and would you like to see more of both tag leagues on the same tour in the near future? On the same tour, is it better if they go their separate ways? The only thing about the junior tag league was Taguchi. I found it sad that Connors was stuck in a comedic role with Taguchi instead of someone else serious. I get that Taguchi is an attraction to many fans in certain venues, but will it hurt to have him play the dad role and put him in multi-tags? and not feature him in future Best of Super Juniors and Super Junior Tag Leagues. Okay, overall thoughts on Tag League. I was able to be at the opening nights of both Tag Leagues in Korakuen Hall. So, one, it was great to finally experience Korakuen Hall with the cheering crowd for both of these series. Honestly, I like that they're concurrent because as much as I love New Japan tournaments, between them and Stardom, and having their schedules overlap, I have so much tournament burnout mm-hmm. three three times a year as opposed to four times a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, it's great because, you know, you're able to do a little bit of everything this way. You're not having a, a people like sitting at home for a month with nothing to do. You're, you're, you're building, you're theoretically building other things for the dome behind the scenes as well. So I actually like it. Um, Taguchi when you think of who Toguchi could have been paired with, minus Master Wato, since he was put into likely the the that junior four way to replace Kushida, who they didn't know what his return table was because of his illness, mm-hmm. I don't see that Toguchi would have had the same chemistry with Kevin Knight that Kushida has, nor would Kushida have the same chemistry with Clark Connors that Toguchi has. Like Clark Connors of the two of them, you know, he's he's the wild rhino, but he he's also he's not a clown, but he he can he's a mood maker. He's very he, he's like he's like a you know when you throw the windows open on like a sunny day is very breath of fresh air. <laughs> That's Clark Connors. He's got great hair, and you know if you're gonna go with wild hips, I mean, what better compliment to the funky weapon? 
right. than the wild rhino. <laughs> like, I, I, it, it's, I'm hoping that we don't have another Taguchi, like crazy, like serious Taguchi run in the Super Juniors. Like, like again, that title. Enough people who have been multiple champions don't need it again. It needs to go to someone new. Yeah, I mean, I think with um, Connors and Taguchi, like you were mentioning, I feel like Kushida was supposed to be in the four way, which would have yeah. then left Master Wato the team with Taguchi, and then I feel and like Clark and Kevin. Yeah, we would have had the LA Dojo boys of Clark and Kevin, which. That probably would have worked out well, but I feel like Kevin definitely benefited more by Absolutely. teaming with Kushida than he would have had he teamed with Clark Connors. And especially if they didn't have anything for Clark either, at least one, he gets extra wins because he's with Taguchi. But it, it's the, I feel like it, it made it feel really balanced. Mm-hmm. I know that instead of like pairing Taguchi and Kushida together and putting Clark in or, you know, wh- whatever other combination there could have been. Uh, at first, when you look at them, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. But, you know, when watching the tournament overall, if you haven't watched it, you can see how they complement each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then overall, I enjoyed both leagues. I thought both leagues were really, really good um, this year. And I agree with you. I think that they, they're better off together. Uh, doing these uh, leagues together, running them, you know, in the build to Wrestle Kingdom, it just makes it more exciting. I think that way, instead of having yeah two separate tours in different parts of the year for them, and you know they did a great job this year and just getting a ton of fresh faces. You know, yeah. I remember the first tag league we you know we uh, reviewed. You know, there they had a lot of random pairings. You had like Juice Robinson and Sammy Callahan teaming together as Def Juice and. Um, you know, there just wasn't a lot of great pairings compared to this year. I mean, you had Aussie Open, you had TMDK, you had Bishamon, um, Suzuki, and Archer. Like, there's just so many great pairings on on heavyweight side. And then the junior side, you had Sauce Hearts and Catch 2-2 and Ace Austin and Chris Bay, Bushi and Teton. Like, just so many great teams, new fresh faces across both leagues. And I, I think it actually ended up benefiting everyone in the long run because, you know, the, the the major complaint that we've had the last couple of years is that there's no it feels stale there's no new faces yada 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 but of course largely due to a pandemic not our problem mm-hmm. nothing we can control but it it felt like they're like you know what travel's open we got our visas in order we're just gonna bring everybody and even if like what you might feel are like oddball pairings those couplings found ways to look cohesive and work together really just wasn't like you know even like you know tanahashi and yano they re- they got back together after you know last year they mm-hmm. weren't gonna win the thing but they just had a good time right yeah so and i, th- I feel like that's part of the you know you you you, you go in with a good idea which teams are probably going to get pretty far and which ones are just there to either play spoiler or just have bangers of matches with everybody and not necessarily win it. And that's fine. Yeah, and you know, Tanahashi, another guy now looking for his path uh, to the oh. Tokyo Dome. <laughs> maybe him and Naito will just have a singles match. <laughs> <laughs> or make it a three with Sonata, then everybody wins. Everybody has a match. <laughs> um, Ethan Black asks, where would you rank this year's World Tag League in the last five years? And this is one of the best Super Junior Tag Leagues. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, I would have to go back and look at them, but to me, just off the top of my head, I feel like this is one of the best uh, World Tag League since we've been reviewing them um, since 2017. Like, this one stands out to me 
um, a lot more. And I feel like, again, we had overall, I think we had better teams than we did even going back to like 2017. I, for the, on the World Tag League side, yes, I agree completely. I've, I really enjoyed this particular one. And I, I've been watching since 2017. So like this, this one stood out to me more and I was more dialed in and watching it like either the day of or the next day. Super Junior Tag League, it's it feels fresh for the first time in two years, but I can't compare it to like back in you know 2019 when Show and Yo won because I got to go to the dome and see them win at the dome that year. So like for me, it's like I I kind of have a skewed perception of it, but I'm also glad to see people thriving in new environments and new tag teams. Yeah, it's also kind of hard to compare too because previous junior tag leagues used to be single um, elimination. Uh, tournaments they weren't always yeah. the round robin league format so which i did enjoy i do like a good single animation tournament every once in a while too and that that format did work well um like bring the back the super j cup please yes yeah definitely yeah <laughs> uh, personal request from me bring it back <laughs> <laughs> in the united states again thank you uh yeah but i did really enjoy this year's um super junior tag league again like we mentioned there were so many uh, new faces and there's so many great teams that they, they brought in it's freshening things up and like I personally like the junior night a little bit more than the heavyweight nights I just felt like yeah. they were obviously faster pace and uh, they're more fun to watch you know usually this tour is, is a slog and people kind of check out but for me actually it really enjoyed keeping up with these uh, both of these leagues I think also the return of cheering mm. really helped yeah um, but also the super juniors, no barricades, baby. People were everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they were flying. <laughs> They're flying. I God, I've missed that so much. But yeah, no, it was. I really enjoyed it, despite my wrestling bur- end of the year burnout. <laughs> <laughs> um, then Enigma Bird Zero says this arguably has been the best World Tag League slash Junior Super Junior Tag League, and the strongest division has been in a long time. How do they continue to build it and keep the momentum going? They have they have to do the work, not necessarily the tag wrestlers, the whoever's booking them has to treat them like they matter, especially the juniors, because, you know, that's my soapbox that I get on every time is that, you know, super the juniors only matter two times a year, super junior tag league and best of the super juniors. I need the other 10 months of the year to matter for them. Yeah, well, I think the great thing they did with this tournament is, you know, yes, there were a lot of outside people, but I feel like there have been, there are more people that New Japan has been working with. So, for yes. example, Chris Austin, or Ace Austin and Chris Bay, like, yes, they are, they're impact guys, but, hey, they're part of Bullet Club now, and they're a team I can see New Japan bringing in more. So you have these teams like that. They created Catch 2-2 this year. That's a new established team. Bushi and Teton. Seems like Teton is going to be around for more New Japan tours. So that's a, another mm-hmm. unit that you have there. Um, so there's been establishing all these units, Kushida and Kevin Knight, um, they can potentially stay together for a little while, while hips could stay together for a while. So they've created all these new teams. So wild hips may be staying for a while. Cause I, my gut tells me it might be Watto's year. <laughs> 2023 might be the year of the Watto. Um, there's sauce heart. Zane is a regular on new Japan strong and was in super juniors and Lindemann, um, seems to be somebody that they're bringing in more often. So there's all these different teams that, you can rotate in and out. You don't. You know. We don't have to have the same. You know. It doesn't have to be Rapungi 3K and Despi and Kanamaru all year long. We now have yeah. a whole. You know, roster. We have options. Yeah. We have options for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. So there's a bunch of different options. You can do some fresh, fun, innovative matchups throughout the year, and not just um, you know two or three teams in the in the division the whole time. And same thing on in the World Tag League side. 
um, where you have TMDK now, you have Aussie Open, you have some of these more teams. You know, Bishamon is now a, a more um, established tag team. Um, you know, God is uh, waiting in the wings when uh, Tama or Tangaloa comes back from um, his injury. It, it it feels good to have options again. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that you know when you have a big tour like the Super Juniors or World Tag League, take don't make them the undercard. Send them to New Japan Strong. Send them to Rev Pro. Send them other places. And like, let them like hone their craft. Let them like show everyone what what they're about. Make make people care about them more than like twice a year. Yeah, and I think you know with the New Japan schedule right now, there there are so many shows like they can definitely highlight, do some more um, big junior tag title matches, more junior matches. You know, you look at Ishimori each year; he barely defended uh, the junior title this year. I think uh, next year they can uh, need to increase some junior defenses and. Um, where the juniors are highlighted throughout the year. Um, so now let's look at the final night of tournament action. It will be this coming Wednesday, December 14th in Sendai. We have the conclusion of this uh, tournament and tour. Uh, so the show will open up. We'll have Kosei Fujita and Ray Oiwa taking on the Sauce Hearts, Alexander Lindemann. So probably a, a win there for Sauce Hearts. Um, then we'll have Kevin Knight and Kushida versus TMDK. So a little open weight action here. <laughs> oh my, that's a, that's a lot in a match. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so that should be a fun one. Another great experience for uh, Kevin Knight to go up against a team like TMDK. Um, that should be a fun open weight matchup there. Uh, then Flying Tiger will team up with Alex Coglin and Gabriel Kidd to take on the United Empire's. Aaron Hanare, Francisco Akira, Great Okan, and TJP. Then we'll have Suzuki Goons, Doki, Lance Archer, Minoru Suzuki, and Yoshinobu Kanamaru taking on the House of Tortures, Dick Togo, Evil Show, and Yujiro. And we did have Suzuki um, kind of teasing that something is coming on, on this night for Suzuki Goons, saying, you know, he's been looking, um, kind of sounds like maybe there's a new member coming. He's, you know, saying, you know, he's looking for the future of Suzuki Goons. So, Karen, you have any thoughts on what Suzuki's talking about? Who are you? Ship Suzuki Goon, please. <laughs> <laughs> or or Shota Umino or Ren Narita. One one of one of them, all of them, I don't care. Just get show away from House of Torture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, Shota's like jump ship. I mean, Ta- Taichi's not on the card, right? No, he's not. Uh, I guess he's a, in, in training for the, the KOPW <laughs> against his, his lumberjack last man standing match. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. So yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah, if Suzuki, if they're debuting a new member here, or what, some what's exactly happening that Suzuki's been talking about. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, then after that, we'll have Wild Hips team up with the Bebop Tag Team to take on the LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, Naito, and Teton. Then we'll have Okada, Master Wato, and Tama Tonga taking on Gato, Jay White, and Taiji Ishimori. So obviously building up uh, Okada and Jay at the Dome. And then um, Wato and um, Ishimori are two of the four guys in that four-way junior title match at the Dome. And Gato's eating the pin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's eating a big Rainmaker. <laughs> uh, or, you know, or Tama could get the win, too. Or he's getting a gun stun yeah. <laughs> in a supreme flow. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, the last three matches of this show are, are the real big matches here. Uh, so first, 
we will have the never open weight title match as Machine Gun Carl Anderson will finally defend against the young gun, Hikaleo. Karen, what are your thoughts on this one? It should have happened at Battle Autumn, but here we are. Um, with I, I guess we kind of should talk about the rumors that are circulating around it because I wanted to be excited about this until this report came out. Yeah, so PW Insider is reporting that Carl Anderson will be working Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th, and that lines up with other reports that they said that New Japan and WWE had worked out two dates for Anderson to finish up business with New Japan. So one of those dates to finish up was January 4th. You know, before this report, it seemed like this was going to be the last date for Anderson, that Higaleo was going to save the belt, get the belt back, and send Anderson packing off to uh, WWE. But with this, you know, impending news now, it's like, well, is he going to lose to just have another match at the Dome, or is he going to retain, and then maybe he faces Tam Tonga at the Dome? So here's the thing. Part of me wants Hikaleo to win the Never, because he needs something to do. Mm -hmm. Carl and Tama's grudge and their history doesn't need the belt. But I said the same thing about Osprey and Omega, and here we are. Um, I could see Anderson retaining over Hikaleo and then Tama either getting involved in this match or being the one to come out and challenge him for the Dome. I could see Tanahashi challenging Anderson at the Dome. I could see Naito challenging Anderson for the Dome. But like, n- neither Tanahashi nor Tetsuya Naito need the Never Openweight Championship. Yeah, that would seem like a big... Uh, Tama's re- reign with it was just far too short. Yeah, I felt like there was so much more to do with Tama because he had you know, been fighting Bull Club all year and been you know been getting beat down by those guys the whole year, and he finally got some comeuppance on them and get that never title belt from Evil. It was a big moment. It got cut short by the post-match attack and then immediately losing the title to Carl Anderson. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel like there was more to do with Tama as never champion, his first um, you know singles title run in New Japan, and especially if uh, Tangaloa is still going to be out for a while, I think that... Yeah, put the belt back on Tamatonga if Carl Anderson is uh, winning here, which with this news, I think he is. I mean, yeah. like like you, I was hoping Hikaleo would get a win. He, Hikaleo has improved so much this year, and he's gotten over with the Japanese audience. And I feel like, you know, with the whole youth movement that's going on right now, you know, you had Red Narita coming in. He's in the TV you know, tournament finals. You had Umino coming in to have a, a big impact in a match against Osprey. That match was so good. Yeah, and I, I figured like this was going to be, oh, right, Hikaleo's time. Like his, yeah. the next one, this youth movement, you know, all of them are kind of in that same uh, dojo class. It's like, all right, Hikaleo's the next guy to get something really big here. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems like we'll, we'll probably get some shenanigans because Gallows, I think, is going to be with Anderson, so... There'll probably be interference, and um, Anderson will probably retain. Like you mentioned, Tamatonga will probably then come out and challenge, and then he can get his win back, get a big moment at the Tokyo Dome, and then go into next year, maybe have a longer run with the title. Yeah, the um, the other thing is that if, you, if it says here, like, they worked out two dates, that would mean, if I'm doing my math right, I was an English major, so forgive me. <laughs> Wednesday would be one. Yeah. The Dome would be two, correct? Yeah. Not the Dome... Plus, like New Year's Dash, or you know, do- or you know, Yokohama in a couple, a couple of weeks. It would be Wednesday and then January fourth. Since this all was sorted out before WWE came 
back to Carl's door once Uncle Paul got back in charge. Right. So, yeah, that yeah. seems like what it's going to be. Um, so, yeah, so to me, I think, yeah, if you're going to bring him back for the Dome, you're not going to bring him back, I think, just for a grudge match, or you're not you're not going to throw him in, like, a never six-man title match. I think you're going to do... He needs, he needs to put somebody over and put the belt... Honestly, he needs to put the belt back on Tama. Tama needs to close this chapter of his Bullet Club revenge tour and move on. Yeah. And a couple questions on this match. So, okay, okay, 890 says, with the Sasha rumor going around, do you think it's now... More likely for Hikaleo to beat Anderson at the Tag League Finals. Only if Sasha's fighting Hikaleo for the belt at the Dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see how both of those kind of go hand in hand. But yeah. they're, they're, they're not, they're not yeah. mutually inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think like we're saying with the, the Anderson news, I feel like yeah, Anderson's going to retain. Um, and that at, at Dragon Master Adam on Twitter says, if Carl Anderson retains on Wednesday, then who do you think? He defends it against the Wrestle Kingdom Naito or against Tama since they probably want him on the Wrestle Kingdom card after how over he got this year. And so, yeah, we kind of already talked about that. Yeah, we think, yeah, Tama's probably going to be the main one that's going to challenge. Unless they throw us a swerve and put Tanahashi in the match, but I gen- genuinely think the, the, the money is probably on Tama. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I don't want to see another Tanahashi-Anderson match. I really didn't enjoy Correct. the last one. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, Tanahashi just needs so much more at the Tokyo Dome. I know Tanahashi is winding down, but on a big stage with a great opponent, Tanahashi can still I, go. I really wish they'd let Shinsuke fight someone at the Dome. I know they're not going to, they, because the whole Muta thing is because he's retiring and it's a really big deal, but man, just once I'd love to see Shinsuke in the Dome again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would um, be great to have Yeah, Nakamura, me, you know, Nakamura versus Naito, you know, they have a history uh, against each other. That would be <laughs> epic. Uh, but yeah, and I'm sure we'll get some angles on the show that will answer what Naito's doing, what Tanahashi's doing. Uh, I have a real feeling that you know John Moxley is going to be at the dome, so I, I could see Moxley challenging either uh, Naito or Tanahashi um, at the dome. Potentially, you can get another AW guy to face another one of them too. Would Moxley's still currently the champion, right? No, MJF is the champion. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I. As you can tell, I'm not keeping up with AEW these days. <laughs> um, so yeah, then Mo- Moxley could. We've done Moxley Naito, haven't we? They've done that before, haven't they? Uh, no, I don't think they have. I think they were in different blocks when Mox of the G1, and then they've never had a singles match. Or my. So Mox. Um, I'm trying to remember but who Moxley's fought Tanahashi. Sorry, my hair is just not. My banks are not cooperating right now. Um, I'm just trying. I'm like, I'm trying to think who Moxley would fight. Yeah, Mox has faced Tanahashi. Faced him at Forbidden Door. For, yeah, for the AW title. That was, that was their first match, and then yeah, he has not faced for the Naito. interim aid. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, the interim. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's not faced Naito yet because yeah, they were they were in different blocks. Um, I mean, G1. I wouldn't be mad at Naito versus Moxley. I just don't want Naito's knees to be like evaporate into the the ether of the tokyo dome yeah yeah i'm trying to pull up the g1 that mox was in right now just to see all who he faced let me pull that up moxley didn't have to drop out of a g1 correct he finished the g1 before he got sick that one time yeah so yeah he was only um in one g1 it was the uh 2019 g1 Um, same year that you had like Kenta and Shingo and Osprey. Oh, good times. Um, yeah, that G one. <laughs> that was that was a G one. That was a good G one. Yeah, and you had the uh, the opening night um, in Dallas, which was a lot of fun. Um, so let's see. We here. got to meet up there. Yeah, yeah, we did hang out there. Uh, yeah, Josh and I there. Um, part of the press conference and stuff like that. 
All right, let's see here. Here we go. So let's see. So Moxley was in the B block. Oh, he did face Naito. I totally forgot about that. So yeah, so he was in the block with Jay, Goto, Naito, Cobb, Juice, Shingo, Taichi, Ishii, and Yano. So he has faced Naito. Who had the win in that match between him and Naito? I don't remember. I don't even remember that match. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both, sir. (laughs) Let's see if I can uh, go to the cage match here. Let's see. Moxley. Let's pull up ye old cage match. (laughs) Moxley versus Naito cage match. Let's see. So this was uh, July 28th. This was night 10 of the G1. No no wonder it was the middle of the G1. That's why. (laughs) Uh, It was the main event of the show. Moxley won. Ah. I see. So I guess if you want Naito to get that win back, you could you could do run it back, do Naito um, and Mox the Also, dome. Jericho's got nothing to do right now. He lost to Cesaro or sorry, to Claudio. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you could uh, bring Jericho in for a big match. You could uh, either. Well, I mean, Jericho's already faced Naito. They had that whole series for the IC title. Oh, that was so good. And he's already faced Tanahashi too. But if you want Tanahashi to get the win back, because they only had one match, maybe Tanahashi can get the win back against Jericho. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of different and options. Knight could get his win back over Moxley and then retire. <laughs> <laughs> the pair of them can retire with their busted knees and like, like crawl off into the sunset together. It, it's gonna be a, my dad as a heel wrestler for both Naito and Tanahashi. Those guys would be so good though. <laughs> yeah, that was a great movie. Uh, but those guys are not. They, they're gonna keep going literally until like yeah, they cannot they wa- to, to not walk. <laughs> so, so the wag the wheels literally fall off the wagon, yeah. as it were. They'll they'll come down to the ring with Walker if they have to. <laughs> Don't make me sad. <laughs> I have uh, the sads now. Uh, yeah, but I'm sure there's a lot of great options that you, you can do for um, Naito and Tanahashi. They don't mean worst case scenario they can just face each other. <laughs> um, so yeah, so a lot, a lot of options there. Um, so the last two matches on the show, the semi-main event will be the Super Junior Tag League Final. The winner of this match will be the winner of that Super Junior Tag League and will go on to face Catch 2-2 at the Tokyo Dome. So it'll be Leo Rush and Yo versus Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Karen, who you got? I think it's going to be Leo Rush and Yo. I, I agree. Think, I, I feel like they're making a very big deal out of Leo Rush. And his first year or first uh, first excursion to Japan. Yeah, and, you know Leo is a, a a big star in the Western audience. You know he's been in WWE, he's been in AEW. Obviously, I don't think right now he has momentum of a Sasha who's going to bring in a ton of subscriptions. But he's still a, a well known name where I think he can capture some eyes and his uh, his music audience into the, uh, the Tokyo Dome. So yeah, I, I think Leo and Yo will will get the win here. But I don't think they're going to get a straight up. Uh, tag against Catch 2-2. I think other teams are going to be involved. Um, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, they, they did pin Catch 2-2, so I think yeah. they'll have a claim. Doki and Kanamaru pin Catch 2-2. Oh, are we getting a four-way for the juniors as well? I, I think we will. I mean, we oh. that, that's their typical formula where one that's night... That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. A lot, a lot. Well, you got to fit people in. There's only one main night at the Tokyo Dome. So, Junior Tag Gauntlet. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could do a gauntlet. Lucha rules, <laughs> eight-man lumberjack. I mean, yeah, Bush, Bushi and Teton also pinned Catch 2-2. Um, so there's a lot of teams who, even though they didn't win the league, have a claim. 
put I'm it a... in the cage. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Five way tag, sure. Ladder match, why not? Actually, that that would be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again. No crystal ball here. It's a joke. I make the jokes. Karen Peterson reports that there will be I a ladder match. I am reporting nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I disavow all knowledge of New Japan. I say no such thing. Uh, but yeah, so there's definitely going to be some kind of multi-team, at least I think, unless they do maybe one of those teams challenges Catch 2-2 or Tokyo Dome, and then you, you do the straight-up tag with just Leo and Yo and Catch 2-2, but we'll see how that all plays out. And there's also New Year's Dash, so I mean, whoever didn't win could be like, "We got next," or "We call dibs." Right, and there's also uh, Yokohama Arena as well that somebody could get a shout out as well. Um, then the the big main event here, and actually, I think this is the first time in a while that the World Tag League actually main events the the World Tag League final show. Um, so we're gonna have Aussie Open, Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis facing off against Bishamon, Haruki Goto. And Yoshihashi. So I think the interesting thing here is uh, Aussie Open has already defeated Bishamon in this league. So they're coming in with already a win against Bishamon. So are Aussie Open going to win again and get that dominant win? Or is Bishamon going to get their win back and go to the Tokyo Dome? Personally, I think Bishamon is getting the win and going to the Tokyo Dome. Because... They need to get a win over FTR to get the belts back into New Japan. Yeah. They also it, it kind of feeds into the the question that's listed that uh, from Rambo and Slam Pig. It's it's the I don't want to see Chaos go back into the never six man you know spiral of death with House of Torture, but I also feel like the card right now is shaping up to be very uh, foreign wrestler heavy, mm-hmm. and there needs to be a bit of balance to it. And whether it's, you know, Yo and Leo going into in the finals or, you know, you know, the, while they're not as popular abroad like Bishamon is, they're wildly popular in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I could see Aussie Open winning it, but I could also see Aussie Open in a very large LI versus LIJ 10-man tag at <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom as well, so... Yeah. I'm leaning towards Bishamon, but that's just I I I feel like that's where they're going with it from a booking standpoint. But I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. So Rambo said, yeah, Aussie Open versus FTR is a bigger match at the dome, likely better as an entering matchup. Bishamon versus FTR has a domestic Japanese face team for the home fans to root for. Which way do you think NJPW will go? What would you do if you had the book? And yeah, it's a very difficult situation because obviously the the FTR Aussie Open match from Royal Quest two got a ton of buzz. Had they not just done it at Royal Quest, I would say hands down Aussie Open. But we yeah. just had that match a few months ago. Right, but if you want Aussie Open to get the win back and to be the ones to bring the belts back, I, I could see that option because it was such a yeah. great match and doing a rematch on the biggest stage makes sense to me. But like Rambo said, like you said, like Bishamon is that face domestic Japanese tag team. Like you mentioned, the Dome is very foreigner heavy right now and you need to feature the Japanese talent and Bishamon they won the tag league last year they won the titles in the dome last year they are like the, the the number one domestic cha- uh, Japanese tag team right now um so it would make a ton of sense I think from a New Japan booking standpoint like our number one tag team Bishamon against you know AEW's number one team FTR but we're gonna do this big you know who's the best team kind of matchup 
which, you know, the more I think about it, I'm like, I think that's the way they're, I agree with you. I think they're going to go that way uh, because why would you have Aussie Open beat Bishamon earlier in the tournament if they're going to beat them again in the finals? Like, I feel yeah. like it would be flipped. Like, if Aussie Open was going to win, I feel like they would have lost to Bishamon Correct. earlier in the league and then they would have got the win back here. I mean, and even, I hate to say it, even if Bishamon ends up being the transitional champion, there again, there's New Year's Dash the next day. Mm-hmm. They could take the belts off of FTR and then turn around and lose into Aussie Open the following day. I wouldn't be mad at it. Yeah. And then Aussie Open goes on like a crazy like six-month run with the belts. And again, too, there's also a potential for multi-man matchup here. Aussie <laughs> Open can say, hey, yeah, we... We beat you guys earlier in the league. Like, we should be in the title match as well. And you could do a three-way. TMDK uh, are like, uh-uh-uh, guys. Yeah, like, yeah, we beat Aussie Open. So, yeah, you could do a four-way TMDK, Aussie Open, Bishamon, FTR. Um, That's how you get everybody on the card. Yeah. <laughs> Multi-man title matches. 20-minute time limit. <laughs> 15-minute time limit. None of this 30-minute, no. 60-minute, no. I, well, again, Osprey Omega. 30-minute time limit, please. <laughs> um, but there's going to be enough singles matches on the card where you can, I think, throw in a lot of multi-man matches, and it won't feel like overkill, especially because these multi-mans will have stakes. It won't be like your random, you know, eight-man faction versus faction matchup. You'll you'll have a junior tag title match. You'll have a, a heavyweight tag team title match. So, um, you know, I, I think it, match quality, I think a straight-up two-versus-two would be better, but... If you want to get more people on the card and feature more people, I definitely can see them going a three-way or four-way for this. Uh, and make it a, and it will be chaotic enough that people would be protected. That's the biggest thing. Right. And so FTR. You know, FTR could lose the belts without being pinned. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yep. So maybe that, yeah, maybe TK is like, yeah, we're sending those guys, but I don't want them getting pinned. So let's. Hey, man, they have the belts hostage for like six months <laughs> and. Forbidden Door was like halfway a blood and guts booster show, so you know what? <laughs> it's fine. They can eat the loss. FTR will be fine. Yeah, I, I kind of want Bishamon to win because I think it'd be hilarious for Yoshihashi to pin Dax Hardwood. I think that would just make my day. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> uh, I, I need my pandemic champion to to pull out another big W right now. Yes. Um, so yeah, so this finals Wednesday, December fourteenth should be a fun show with these uh, great league finals and never title match. I'm sure we're gonna get a ton of video packages and angles, letting us know what is coming for the remainder of the card for Wrestle Kingdom. So should be a fun show to watch. Um, so let's transition over to uh, New Japan of America. This past Saturday, we had the second night of the Nation Tour. We had uh, Kenny King defeating Gregory Sharp, the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels defeating the DKC, and then in the main event we had Hikaleo, Tamatonga, Alan Angels, and David Finley teaming up to face off against El Phantasmo, Switchblade Jay White, and the West Coast Wrecking Crew. Carrie, uh, did you get a chance to check out Strong? I did not. I I, I love Strong. I'm just again like. I'm trying to do a little bit more of the work-life balance and also more of the wrestling life balance. And <laughs> um, alas, this particular card, I decided to pass on. Yeah, it's all good. It was a it was a fun episode of Strong. Uh, so they're they're pushing. It seems like they're pushing Kenny King right now. This was his second appearance, second win on uh, Strong. So it looks like we'll be seeing more of him in New Japan. Uh, Christopher Daniels is waging war against the LA Dojo. So 
you know, he already uh, took out Uemura. He beat Rocky Romero. So now here he was beating, he beat the DKC. And then post match, he did the same thing he did to, to Yuya, dropped DKC with a big pile driver. So yeah, Daniels is waging war. We need we need a hero to step up from the LA dojo. Maybe I guess I'm going to I'm going to LA, huh? I'm going to go fight Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the savior of the LA dojo. Yes, it's going to be Karen and, and Daniels. <laughs> and then I'm char- ch- challenging Carl Anderson at the Tokyo Dome for the Never Overweight Championship. Um, Again, these are jokes, folks. <laughs> Don't take them seriously. Um, then the main event um, we saw this continuation of the you know the Tam Tonga Higaleo rivalry. Um, against uh, Jay White, so uh, Tama he got the win, uh, pinning Royce Isaacs, and so also there was a lot of interaction with Hikaleo and Tama with ELP and Jay White. So they're kind of keeping that rivalry kind of lingering on the on the back burner uh, with God and Bullet Club, and so we'll see what happens with Hikaleo and Tama Tonga going going forward. But uh, a fun uh, main event here and a good win for Tama Tonga. Um, then we'll, we got some few uh, news items here. Uh, Fred Rosser tweeted last week that uh, according to reports, Mr. No Days Off is set to return to WWE in 2023. Um, so yeah, it seems like our, our current strong openweight champion at some point next year will be going. According to him, going back to WWE, unless he was being sarcastic and not true. I, I think he's being a bit of a smartass. Like, I, I, is he the fact that he wrote Mr. No Days Off? Like, it's <laughs> come on now. I think he's just like leaning into the rumor mongering that's going on by, you know, people with podcasts like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would hate to see him go. I mean, I think he's improved so much being a part of New Japan, having a good run right now with the strong uh, open weight championship. Um, but also, you know, there's probably more money at WWE. So if that works yes. out, good for him. Yes. And I know his dad is always gives him a hard time. Like, why aren't you in the, you know, the bigger shows and the big arenas? Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, he said in an interview that, like, his dad was always asking. He's like, you know, why are you in this, like, little, like, show? Like, why aren't you, like, in the bigger arena? Because it's a steady paycheck, man. Money, <laughs> money gets spent the same way. Like, yeah. at, least in, at least in Strong, he's felt like a star. Like for the longest time, when he before his WWE run ended, I barely knew who he was. Like I ran into him at the grocery store by accident one time, and I was like, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, I I know Triple H is bringing back a ton of people right now, and they're not all really. Why getting... I'm worried about Sasha, mm, yeah. one of his favorite children. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. She seems far gone right now. We'll see. I think I don't know, she's she's been a big fan of Joshi and Pure Rezu, so maybe she just wants to, you know, work the dome, work a couple of New Japan, and then maybe she'll go back afterwards. I'll feel better once I see something in writing from New Japan mm-hmm. saying yes, or you know, watching the Tokyo Dome and seeing her stroll out. I need, I need something tangible. There's nothing tangible right now that's making me feel feel confident. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, yeah, maybe at uh, the tag league finals, maybe they'll uh, air a, a Mercedes vignette. <laughs> they may not be able to because she's still technically under contract. So that, it's part of the non compete. Well, they, they can tease it, you know, just you know, like a silhouette. Yeah, just do vacant. Like, <laughs> vacant is coming. <laughs> yes, or you know, flash a dollar sign or something. <laughs> just be like yeah, Snoop Dogg's cousin is coming. <laughs> Which one? Y'all have to. <laughs> Find out on a Tokyo Dome. <laughs> Figure out which one rustles. That'll narrow it down. Uh, another news, Kota Bushi and Tetsuya Naito were voted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame uh, for this year's class. So a uh, big congrats there for um, Bushi and Naito. 
uh, getting voted in there from the, the Japan region. Um, both nights of NJPW Tamahashi will be streaming on demand on December 15th at noon Japan time exclusively on uh, New Japan World. So that'll be fun to check out. Um, our good friend Rocky Romero and Mystico defeated Volador Jr. and Lince Dorado to win the CMLL Copa Bicentario uh, finals tournament. So, Felicidades. Congratulations, yeah. guys. <laughs> Hopefully that'll, that'll come up on New Japan Roll. I'm sure that'll be a fun match to check out. And then last thing here, the Dragon, Shingo Takagi, returned to Dragon Gate. And he'll be teaming up with uh, BB Hulk at the Final Gate show on Christmas Day, December 25th. Good for him. I'm excited to see him. So yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. So a uh, few last questions here, and we'll wrap the show up. Uh, so Barry Walsh asks, do you think Jonah goes back to WWE? Could he still thrive if he goes back? If they can bring back Braun Strowman, yes, Jonah will be fine. Yeah, Jonah or you know his WWE Bronson Reed seems like Triple H was um, a big fan of him at NXT, gave him that good push to the North American title. So yeah, I think he's a guy that would get at least some kind of run um, on the main roster with uh, Triple H running things. But, I mean, I hope that he stays in New Japan. I felt, I felt like he really kind of carved out um, a niche for himself in, in New Japan, kind of like being that big, huge monster foreigner. And he got over with the Japanese audience. They were, they were breaking the law, ooing and on where they weren't supposed to. And, um, you know, TMDK has been an interesting faction, having um, him alongside Nichols and uh, Shane Hayes and Bad Dude Tito. There's so much upside, I think, for Jonah to stay in New Japan. Absolutely. He felt I felt like he was appreciated a lot more in New Japan than he ever was, even in NXT, even as a, in a champion in NXT. And it was it's one of those things like, you know, as a as a TMDK fan, knowing that like some of the like the original three are back together. That's really special. Yeah. You know, I could see if Jonas stays around, maybe winning the Rambo um, come Wrestle Kingdom and then getting a big push following that. Well, you know, once Okada gets the belt off of Jay, then, you know. Jonah will be the first one to jump the queue. Yeah. Getting get their uh, shot there at Okada. Uh, Barry also asked, with Kojima, Okan, Tanahashi, and now Kenta having matches in Noah and Nagata and Tiger Mask in all Japan, I have to wonder why. I get that business all around, doing better means all promotions benefit, but New Japan doesn't seem to get seems to be getting anything in return for helping out. Is there some other reason for helping them out so much? Uh, Well... Personally, I think it's also because of the implications of why New Japan is helping out. This is the 50th anniversary of New Japan, but it's also the 50th anniversary of All Japan. Mm -hmm. So wrestlers that have history in All Japan, like Tiger Mask and Yuji Nagata, are able to go back and give back. Even the ring announcer, Makoto, uh, Makoto Abe, he did announcing at a special show a few weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. And so it's one of those things where, you know... Even with the you know we, they had the Noah crossover show earlier this year because again 50th anniversary of New Japan, but also many wrestlers in New Japan have either gone to Noah or come from Noah, so it, it's it's not so all so black and white, especially with like the example that they're using right now with Kenta is that Kenta is teaming with Marafuji, you know the last time the two of them had a match it was back in I think it was 
for Mara Fuji's 20th anniversary. And that was when he was contracted with WWE and they were able to negotiate him to go to Japan for this because of their longtime parallel career path. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not just like one-offs or, you know, like excursions that don't mean anything. For Kojima, it was going over there and making history as one of like the four people in the entire history of Japanese wrestling to become a triple crown champion across all three promotions. So it, it's, it has stakes. With Okan, it's kind of like Muda's retiring. Who's the big, weird, creepy, metaphysical dude that's going to take over? Okan. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's re- the, all of these choices are intentional. So it, it, it's, it, there, there is a benefit. New Japan is being able to... Yes, it may look like philanthropy. Like, what do they get out of it? They're get, they, they got to have Tanahashi have a match against Keiji Muda before he retires. They got to have, you know, uh, to- Togi Makabe and Tomo- uh, Tomo Hama, who also have history with, with uh, Muta, have a match with them before he retires. It, it's one of those things where it's sometimes it isn't just business. Sometimes it's about making the history side of it. And I think that's what all of this is about. With Tiger Mask, maybe New Japan didn't have anything for Tiger Mask. So why not let him go do something? Same thing with Kojima. He went and won the championship and just kind of stayed there. Now he's a tag champion. If they've, if New Japan has nothing for them, why not? Yeah, I think for a lot of the older guys like Tiger Mask and Nagata and Kojima, I think we're going to see them probably do more um, stuff with All Japan and Noah just based on the fact of, you know, they're trying to push younger guys. You have Umino coming in and Ren Narita and Coughlin and, and Kid and Connors, all these young guys coming in. They need spots. Um, yeah, and you can't always have Tiger Mask and Nagata and Kojima on a show. As much as I love all those guys, um, they're not always going to be factored into what's going on in New Japan going forward. So you know they still love wrestling. Why not let them you know have fun, go pop some uh, tours over in, in Noah and in all Japan, and have some fun there. I don't think it hurts New Japan at all because no, it, it, it keeps those guys' name out there. And a guy like Kojima. He can come back in and be like, hey, I was just, you know, GSA champion. He could have a fun run in a New Japan Cup. He could potentially get back into uh, a G1, do his last G1 based off of that um, reputation from being a GSC champion, tag champion. Um, so, I mean, it does help out in, in that way, but I don't think it's a detriment at all. And it's also one of those, like, you know, there are some uh, wrestlers that have contracts coming up at the end of this year, for example, Jake Lee from all Japan. And he announced that he's, you know, he's got two matches left and then he's done 2023 new year, new Jake. He's expressed interest in going to new Japan, you know, after the Korakuen uh, 60th anniversary earlier this year, where, you know, people were teasing that he could possibly be in the G one. Who's to say that, you know, one of arguably all Japan's most popular wrestlers right now could be in a new Japan ring by January of next year. Yeah. Or, you know, in a couple of weeks when January shows up. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is there is reasoning. Some of it's, you know, business, but other parts of it are, you know, all these wrestlers are friends with each other. Let them let them work with their friends if they got nothing for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we had a question here from White in the Discord. It says, with all the losses that NJPW guys have taken in AEW, Suzuki, Ishii, United Empire, Tanahashi, Shibata, etc., isn't that more than enough for AEW to give a big loss back and be okay with Omega losing to Osprey in the Dome? I assure all the listeners that that is not my burner account. I did not send that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, 
the story is Omega was the first champion. Osprey is the current champion. Omega left. Osprey stayed. Again, this is why I say I want a 30-minute time limit because I could see them... Omega... Um, I think Omega might eat the loss to cement Osprey as the guy. But part of me also thinks that it's going to be a time limit draw and we're going to have to visit it again in the future. Which is why I don't want it to be a 60 minute <laughs> match. Because <laughs> I will I will go make breakfast. I will eat breakfast and wash my dishes. And that match will still be going on. So, yeah. I mean, I... I- I love Omega and I love Osprey, so for me, I'm not going to complain <laughs> if those guys <laughs> wrestle uh, for an hour because I'm sure it would be incredible. Um, you know, and Okada needs to beat Jay in five minutes flat with like two rainmakers and <laughs> call it a night because we will be tired. You know, I, I'd be fi- I'd be fine with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I I don't feel like Osprey has to win. Um, because I feel like there's potential here to do. A three match series between these guys between New Japan. But Omega and- doesn't need the belt. Then the match doesn't need the belt. Then that's the thing. Omega doesn't need the belt. He was he he was the first U.S. champion. He doesn't need it again. Right. He doesn't need it. However, uh, I think with him being U.S. champion again, that brings eyeballs back to New Japan. Kenny's back. Kenny's the U.S. champion. But is oh. Kenny staying? That's the thing. Especially if Ibushi is rumored to be going to Cyber Fight. Kenny can't stay. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I don't think he's going to be, you know, working in the road to new beginning or anything, but I think he would. No st- Fantastic Amania? Come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I mean, well, like, like, like Moxley, Moxley defended the U.S. title on AEW programming. New Japan guys came on Dynamite. Uh, Moxley worked New Japan strong in New Japan um, American pay per view. So you could have <laughs> Kenny work. Kenny could work strong. Kenny that would that would be nice. However, that it, Kenny Omega is one of TK's shiny, shiny, shiny top card guys. So was Moxley. Yeah, arguably yes. <laughs> but now that Kenny's back and people have been waiting for him to come back and be healthy again, I don't see him being allowed to do anything lengthy like a run in New Japan Strong. <laughs> Even if it is once a month for the like four or five months. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Like, I, I don't think I think either way it'll end up being fine. Like, I don't think Osprey has to win. I, I think you can extend a series. I think it could be a compelling story if Omega wins first and then Osprey chases him and wins and gets a win back. But if Osprey wins first, I think that's fine too. And like you said, that would uh, really cement Osprey as a, a top star. As the, you know, it will really elevate the U.S. title, which Osprey's been doing since holding the title. Um, you See, know, Osprey retains. Sonata challenges. Sonata gets the belt back finally <laughs> a year later after his eye shattered, and then Omega's like, "No, no, no! I'm not good with this." Osprey, we have unfinished business. Let's go do something at Dominion. It's fine. <laughs> like, like the, the, I don't want them to have this whole flip flop series of like three thirty minute draws until like the somebody finally just gives up and wins the belt. You know what I mean? Yeah, and for me, I I feel like Osprey at this point should be in the, the world heavyweight title picture. Um, so at, at some point, I think he needs to get out of this U.S. title scene somehow. Um, I mean, he has done. But great- putting the belt on Kenny Omega—that's <laughs> not a solution because because he'll so he'll start chasing Omega for the belt. Right, and then and- literally every defense that isn't Osprey isn't going to matter in the eyes of the fans. That's the other problem. Yeah, I don't know. Unless Kenny drops to somebody else, and then. Osprey's mad that Kenny lost, and you, you still do Osprey and Omega, and then 
Osprey can win, that catapults Osprey to maybe win the G1 or get a, a world title shot. Yeah, because he's Osprey's already won the New Japan Cup, so th- probably the next move would if yeah. Yeah, because he I was so close yeah. to winning G1 this year. I think yeah. next year is his year to, to win Probably, G1. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, next question, MJSPR says, will Kenny have more than one match in NJPW next year? Maybe more than one match, but I feel like it'll be a big, big show match. But the problem is that before Kenny left, he had all of the big matches. Like, I don't know who he would put against him unless he's going to do things of like elevating other people. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still there's there's room to do another Jay White match. I think they only had one match for the U.S. title, um, a new beginning. I think that was 2018. I uh, mean, if they're gonna do like David Finley, uh, if if Yano's gonna get be able to have that match he was supposed to have because he pinned Kenny in the G1 or something really weird like that a few years back. Yeah, like I, I like I, it's it's just difficult. Like like again, Kenny's another one where I don't think we're gonna see him in the G1, but if like Mercedes potentially big match here and there, like two or three matches. Sure. But I feel like part of his impetus now as a, a senior statesman in the wrestling industry and in new Japan, he would need to make it about elevating other talent. Like we don't, I mean, I know people want like Omega Okada 18 or whatever we're on right now, but like I need it. I need a fresh matchup for him. Osprey feels fresh. A J rematch would feel fresh. Yeah. David Finley would feel fresh. I need I need it to not be the same five people that are usually at the top of the card. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you have to do another Okada match at some point. I mean, it's been a while since you, you've run that. I think in, I think in the U.S. is where you need to run that match the first time. Omega Russell Hawk. Dynasty? Yeah. Russell, <laughs> I thought that was going to be the Russell Dynasty matchup. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you, you can run that. Um, uh, I think, you know, putting him, like you mentioned, some of the young guys, you know, if you really want to elevate Shota Umino. Do do Omega versus Umino, and I feel like Omega would want to work for a young guy like Shota Umino, and I think there's there's probably some story elements you can draw up with Umino being a young lion when Kenny was there. Uh, I mean, you could do Kenny and Ren Narita. You can do Kenny oh my gosh. <laughs> Kenny against some of these LA Dojo guys. I know he's probably not going to wrestle a bunch of those guys, but some of those handpicked young guys that you want to elevate to that next level, you can yeah. you can put him in there with. Especially if Kenny does win the U.S. title and it's gonna defend a little bit, you could have him defend against some of those those younger guys trying to get the belt back while you know you're waiting for the Osprey rematch. Yeah. Um, Hawaiian Punch BB asks, says with Jake Lee leaving All Japan Pro Wrestling at the end of the year, do you see him finally being able to compete in the G1? Do you think he'll be able to pass that to not a ceiling of a mid carder that people think can be a main eventer, but really shouldn't be one? I would like to see Jake Lee in New Japan far before the G1. I mean, New Japan Cup would be good. New Beginning would be good. New Year's Dash would be fine. Like, it, like I, I just want to see him in a New Japan ring. I don't... Him and Sonata are around the same age. So the other part is, do you catapult him past Sonata as soon as he shows up? Or do you make him, you know, do what you do with most guys that show up that are brand new from other promotions that aren't a hot foreign talent from a from a very popular larger company outside of Japan and make them work for it? Um, I think because I believe Jake's like 33 or 34, much like Sonata is. So he has time. I just don't see him like 
showing up, winning the New Japan Cup, and like taking a title off of anybody within the first six months. Yeah, it'll think, be a, it'll be like everything else. It'll be a slow burn for him. Yeah, and I think too with the pipeline New Japan has right now with all these LA Dojo guys, with the Fale Dojo, uh, with the New Japan Strong roster. They have so much of their own guys that they're already invested in and are, yeah. are trying to elevate. You know, we talked about Umino and Rita and all these guys. They're trying to elevate all those guys right now. Like, I don't know how Jake Lee, Jake Lee fits into that that plan of, you know, elevating the youth. Uh, also, he, he's a super Unless talented he's guy. he's joining Suzuki Gun. He could, yeah. Maybe that's Suzuki's um, big addition. Um, so that, that could happen. Or New Year's Dash, he can show up and kickstart an, an angle there. Like I think he'll definitely be. Also, you you always need fresh talent so you can get some fresh matchups. So I think he's going to be a welcome addition. Um, I just don't know how hard they're going to push him. Um, I guess it also depends on how the fans react to him. That's the other thing, right? Because we've seen guys like Kenta when he came in, fans calling him Noah Trash, or uh, fans. Uh, Noah fans are still hating on him for betraying them and going to New Japan, but. Right, and Noah that, didn't have the New Japan money. Let's be <laughs> honest. And, and some fans were salty, like when Ishimori um, jumped over on yep. New Japan, and fans were salty when Shingo jumped from Dragon Gate to New yep. Japan. Because you know, in Japan, you normally you stick with your company till the day you die. Um, and these guys, you know, they, they jump ship. They got that that Bushi Road money. Got, got those bigger deals, bigger stages. Um, so yeah, the fans that they might yeah see him as quote unquote all Japan trash. They might not want to get behind him and maybe you turn that into heat you you put him with a heel stable and use that to, to generate heat just not bullet club <laughs> just don't put him in bullet club please um so yeah so i i definitely could see him in the g1 because it was already rumored he was a r- rumor for g1 this year but it didn't happen for whatever reason so um i think he could be in g1 next year um uh, but yeah i think we'll see him earlier than that because you said he said he has like two matches left yeah in, in all japan and then he'll be i want to say the last one's on christmas like it's within, like they're within the next, both within the next week. No, I just remembered that you know, Taichi used to also be in 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 uh, all Japan, and mm-hmm. they tagged together when uh, Sonata had to drop out because of his busted eye from the Korakuen show. So, I I mean, Jake Lee would not be a bad addition to Suzuki Goon. Just saying. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mix it up, add a new member there. Uh, see, he also says Shingo made a guest appearance on a recent Dragon Gate show and will be teaming up with his old love-hate buddy BB Hulk at Final Gate this year. With Kenta Marifuji and Shingo BB Hulk all reuniting, is there an old reunion that you'd like to see? Kendo Suzuki was on the Fujinami anniversary show, and so how about a King of the Hills reunion? I don't know if it would ever happen, but I want a Kings of Pro Wrestling reunion between Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero. Yes, uh, Kings of Pro Wrestling. That was one of my favorite teams in Ring of Honor. Uh, those guys were dope. Like, uh, I, admittedly, my my Puro knowledge only goes back to about 2017-ish, mid-year. So I don't have as deep of a connection to a lot of the older teams that may, or may, or may have split up or moved on from now. But like for me, when I discovered Kenta in 2014, I figured out who Marafuji was back then. <laughs> so I'm like, this is a big deal. Yeah. And then, you know, the reaction of Shingo showing up back up in Dragon Gate for the first time in a very long time and the reaction at all, it got, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I love it. Yeah. For me, I probably say, I know it doesn't seem like they've been along apart that long, but golden lovers, uh, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, uh, one of my favorite teams, those guys, always incredible uh, together and just 
some great tag matches. So yeah, I would love a Golden Lovers reunion, and we might get that in, in, in AEW. So we'll see what happens there. That'll just be risky when they work with New Japan. <laughs> just saying. Um, and he says, "What's the more forbidden love, Omega and Ibushi, or Shingo and BB Hulk?" I'm not well versed in Dragon Gate, so I don't know the love hate or the love love relationship that Shingo and BB Hulk may or may not have. Um, so I can't really weigh in on this one. Yeah, same here. I'm not super familiar, yeah, with Shingo and, and BB Hulk's uh, previous relationship or what happened in Dragon Gate. <laughs> Dynamic, what, whatever it was, I'm just not aware. <laughs> uh, well, that's going to wrap it up for the questions uh, for recommended match of the week. Uh, we're back on that this week. So I'm recommending for everybody to watch uh, Road Tokyo Dome 2015. Ooh. Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii versus Tanahashi and Shibata. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, so that's a great tag match right there. And then I want to uh, splice in some audio here. Josh sent in uh, a little uh, five-minute message for uh, his uh, recommended match of the week. So I'll put that in right here. Hey, everybody. Uh, the young boy Joshua Smith here doing a little cameo on my own podcast, a little running, if you will. Um, I know that I wasn't here this week. Once again, I basically found a way to finagle my way out of having to watch and review the entire Tag League tour. Uh, but in actuality, as I'm sure Jeremy's explained to you guys, I am in the middle of preparing to take another FINRA test this week, which is kind of preventing me from uh, devoting the uh, right amount of time and preparation to the show as uh, you guys are deserving. So, but I didn't want you to go another week without us doing recommend a match of the week. So just very briefly before I took my hiatus from the show uh, back in November, Jeremy had recommended to me the match from AEW dynamite on a uh, November 23rd between Chris Jericho and Tomohiro Ishii for the ROH world title and let me tell you guys, this match was incredible. I mean, great story, great atmosphere. Two old-timers that are going out there and just maximizing their minutes and getting the most out of everything that they're doing. You know, they told a, a pretty simple story. It's not unlike what we see from Suzuki today, but uh, maybe just slightly a little bit more athletic where these two guys have scouted one another. They try all their tricks. They're not going to work, so they end up resorting to just beating each other mercilessly with chops and and kicks and uh this match obviously is going to get a lot of attention and be very infamous for the the hard way slash potential blade job from chris jericho on his chest uh i'm not really sure one way or the other i went back and rewatched this just to kind of find out and um it looks like the blood occurred while we were on commercial break and it very well could have been a blade job i mean that's how crazy chris jericho is also, at the same time, I have seen people bleed profusely from, um, you know, chops gone awry. And that's what might have occurred here. I'm not sure. But this match was really, really enthralling once they started bleeding. And the big uh, apron spot from um, Ishii where he took a, a DDT and landed straight on his head. These guys had the crowd in the palm of their hands. And down the stretch, there's a really great uh, moment where Ishii was put in the lion tamer, the old school lion, lion tamer, and he gives the middle finger to Chris Jericho, but at the last second, he's unable to defiantly, you know, 
not tap out and he ends up tapping out with the middle finger and um sets off into the sunset so unfortunately Ishii was unsuccessful in his ROH world title challenge but the match was a winner we the fans were a winner I'm somewhere between like four and a quarter and four and a half on this I'd probably give this that mythical four and a third 4.333 repeating but um if you haven't seen this match go out of your way check it out it was incredible I'm want to uh give you guys a, a quick recommended match of the week so for jeremy let's go back now this is outside of the we are now in the 2023 grading period for excursion match of the week however i want to go back just a little bit check something out that maybe we didn't all see and maybe didn't get a chance to get the recognition or love it deserves to actually even make it for the the keeping a strong style year-end awards but um i'd like us to go back to the pwa black label slash mcw coliseum finals night two from october 8th 2022 as our good friend robbie eagles challenged for the crown against adam brooks so um that's the that's the um show that i am challenging jeremy to go out track down watch that match and let's see did was this a miss was this something that should have been on the excursion match of the year awards um for for the nominees if not you know no worries if it was our bad but i felt like this is probably one that would be really cool to check out so that's gonna be my recommendation thank you guys for listening i'll kick it back to jeremy and karen and um I will be on the show next week, and hopefully I will be riding high from a successful FINRA um, test exam that I've passed once again, and if not, I will return to the show in shame. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening. All right. Thanks, Josh, for uh, setting that audio in. So, yeah, Josh's match, uh, the PWA Black Label Coliseum uh, final matchup with Robbie Eagles versus Adam Brooks. So uh, check that out. Um, great matchup there for uh, the excursion matchup of the week. Well, Karen, thanks so much for uh, coming in and filling in for Josh. Yeah, make sure you, you send him uh, your your bill, your booking fee. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be an itemized list. He's gonna hate every minute of it. Maybe uh, I'll make him watch some Joshi on top of it. <laughs> uh, go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you online and plug anything you're working on right now. Um, you can find me doing stardom and new Japan coverage over at postwrestling.com. I also have a column called dream slam weekly, uh, that comes out every Saturday. A, if you are into, you know, not just wrestling, but like stuff about Japanese culture and everything else, you can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube at Hey Karen Sensei. And I also occasionally do some work for pro wrestling illustrated. Um, if you managed to pick up the women's 150 issue that got released last month, I interviewed Shuri in Japanese and as the number one uh, woman of 2022. So that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. So yeah, follow Karen online, support all of her work that she's doing. She's doing great work on the, the online community. So check it out and you know support her when one day she's on uh, New Japan commentary. <laughs> Set it next to uh, Kevin Kelly calling some uh, IWGB women's title matches. It, it'll be that, or he'll be making fun of show right in front of me, and I'll be like, beat red. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be miserable. It'll be great. Uh, well, that's going to wrap things up for the show this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back to review the Tag League finals and uh, preview Road to Tokyo Dome. I'm sure we'll get 
tons of news about Wrestle Kingdom coming out from uh, the World Tag League and Super Junior Tag League finals. Also, make sure you uh, vote in our year-end awards. You can go to bit.ly slash kissawards22. Vote in our end-of-the-year awards. Um, The deadline is uh, December 31st, 11.59. So you do have some time to re-watch some matches, do your research before you vote. Uh, But don't wait too long. Get those votes in and, uh, you know, these are your awards. It's listeners' awards. You guys decide who's winning. So go ahead and vote. And don't forget to share uh, your ballots with us and who you, you voted for on Twitter. Use the hashtag KISSAwards. And if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. The network is at Social Suplex on Facebook. We're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex on Instagram at Social Suplex on Reddit. I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at Social Suplex.com and check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite, with Floyd Johnson and Austin Tumowitz. The AEW Match Guide podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And The Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny Kukler. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.